uh, feel like I'm going to start dancing. Raise the <laughs> roof. Hey, everyone. This is Scott with Leaving the Dartry. Got Jason here with us. And we got a special guest today. Going to talk a lot of cool hunting stories. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. The one and only Jeff Helm. Some of you all don't know him. We got a nickname for him around here. Actually, Miss, I think nationally. Mr. Jeff Helm? Mr. <laughs> no, it's actually Mr. And the guys at Prime Archer will love this. It's Mr. Pro Staff. Oh, <laughs> my favorite word. Oh, yeah. Mr. Primetime? Yeah, Mr. Prime. He's Mr. <laughs> Everything, trust me. <laughs> and he's so humble about it. That's the funny part. He didn't like talking about stuff himself. But today we're going to make him talk about himself and get in the weeds. Is that why you didn't tell me what exactly we exactly. were going to talk about this no, morning? No so I content. agreed to come in. <laughs> exactly. No <laughs> content. No, this guy loves to shoot his bow. Um, loves to kill animals. 100%. Loves to be in the woods. I don't think he likes working a lot, but he works a lot. Yeah, a lot. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of good, cool stuff. Actually, probably going to key on elk hunting. Okay. It's coming up. You're a junkie. I like it. Yeah, just a, a little, little. Just a little. Just, just a little, little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, talk about your archery career, kind of like what you've been doing and uh, where you came from with archery. Um, he's a Michigan guy. Yes, I am. Yeah, boy. Midwesterner. Go. Got here as quick as I could, Jason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been almost 15 years. It's all good. It's yeah. all good. Are you a Wolverines fan? Not really, not since Bo Schembechler and all those guys left. Back in the day, I did like some Bo Schembechler. Because I would have been ecstatic if you would have worn a Wolverine shirt in here. You so know, I, know. I, I watched Tom Brady and uh, fight it out up there and stuff, so definitely that's where my love for Mr. Brady yeah, came Yeah, you from, know, it's but. funny you say that. I'm a, as an Ohio State guy, I used to hate Brady. I yeah. mean, literally, I hated him for two-thirds of his career. But you got to give props to the guy at third, what, 40 or 41? 43. 43? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. What His work does. ethic's yeah, incredible. It's, you got you to gotta respect that. There's nothing you can say about it. I mean, but, yep. I mean, he's won me over, and I despise Michigan. So, of course, I have to. It's in my blood. I can't even picture playing at 43. I mean, I, no. played, I played football in Germany when I was 31. Yeah. And, man, that, that season... It took everything out of me. The abuse on yeah. your body, it's incredible. Yeah. That's why I think at some point it'll it'll just be over like really quick because, you know, sooner or later deterioration happens and I'm shocked. He's going to play next year though. Mm -hmm. That's what I hear. He wants to play next year and the year after. and Yep. Yeah. Until they kick him out. Right now he's playing like a 35-year-old. I mean, if you think about it. Yeah. Crazy. Um. Jeff, why don't you talk about let's you know where'd you come from? I mean, what'd you do? How'd you get into the outdoors? Oh man, uh, coming out of high school, um, got a I was addicted to bow hunting from day one, um, and coming out of high school, uh, had a bad experience um, with a bow shop. <laughs> and, really? Yeah, and uh, had some fletchings fall off. <laughs> As I I shot at an animal, I didn't fletch him. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't here. That the uh, shop actually isn't around anymore, um, and it was up in Michigan. Yeah. But um, it just it affected me, and I'm like, man, this is terrible. I want to know more about archery, and uh, I went into a shop um, up there in Muskegon, Michigan, and it was called Springs Outdoors, 
um, and spring sporting goods. And uh, now the, the same guy, Mitch Johnson, now owns Johnson's Great Outdoors in Whitehall, Michigan. And Mitch took me under his wing and I became a Bowtech. So I would work oh. my nine to five job. Um, I was actually doing an apprenticeship, uh, six months on, six months off night shift. And so from July through October, uh, I would work Friday and Saturdays at the bow shop. And cool. I would open the shop for him, fletch arrows, sell stuff, you know, just yeah. loved everything. He would have me tear apart bows, put them all back together. Right. And uh, just he taught me a ton about archery. Did that for a couple of years. And uh, Scentlock Technologies was there in Muskegon. And they came in and did a fire sale. And the VP of marketing was one of the guys um, that came in and hung out with us for a couple weekends. And during that, we became friends. And um, he said, Jeff, I really like the way you interact with customers. We need some younger guys. Would you be willing to go do some? They're going to have these new fall expos at Bass Pro Shop and Cabela, you know, those kind of events. Yeah. And I did a bunch of grand openings for Cabela's. That's cool, oh, actually. That's cool. So that's how I got started. Wow. Man, it's funny that I know exactly the area you're talking yeah. about. How? Muskegon. So back back when I was a young private, I had a roommate that's from Michigan, and somehow he talked me into going to Michigan on the way to Mexico. I was coming <laughs> home on leave. Wow. Are you kidding um, me? Yeah. So <clears throat> we got out of work one day, signed out on leave, and took off. We drove all the way up, spent the night in Detroit, with one of his buddies, woke yeah. up the next morning. We drove out to Muskegon to see his grandma, and then I forget what highway it was, but we jumped up there in the UP mm -hmm. or close to there. Thirty-one and went to Hart, Michigan, right around Hesperia. Yeah, spent two weeks there. We caught Hesper Tucky. Yep, <laughs> Hesper Tucky. That's. Yeah. I mean, I was I was just a sheltered city boy, and I learned how to. Uh, it's the first time I've ever gone snorkeling for crawfish at the what? at the dam there. Yeah, yeah, party it's, dam. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it was it was. Great. That's my stomping grounds. Really? Oh yeah. There's that a lot a of swamp world. back there. Yeah. A lot of swamp back there. Heck yeah. It was it was cool. in Michigan. In Michigan. Oh yeah. And I, I I remember how cool it was because I was 19 and we stopped at this liquor store. Yeah. And you know I'm I'm gonna try my luck. I had a an ID that was rubbed off on the back, <laughs> and the lady that was running the the cash, she looks at my ID, and goes to show it to her manager. And the manager's like, "Oh yeah, yeah I remember him. He's good." This is the first time I've been here. <laughs> I love these people. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I got to spend two amazing weeks up there. And yeah. A lot of outdoor stuff. That's oh awesome. yeah. yeah, great fishing, great steelhead. Oh yeah, all kinds of trout, and yep. it's a great place to fish. Yeah. So did you? hunt and fish in Michigan. I mean, yeah. You, so everything outdoors basically. Well, it's it's different than than Texas, right? So you're pretty much you're limited to 6 weeks of bow hunting. Yeah. And then the gun season starts and everything changes yeah. and and so yeah, I while I fish like a madman and um love So to did you fish. get anything did your father was an outdoorsman or My dad was. Yeah, he yeah. got started uh by actually after he got married from my uncle and so I've been, I mean, I remember the very first bow that I got no from L.L. Bean, <laughs> a bear, black bear. No kidding. Yeah. 
Wow. Squirrels ran scared in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it was alive, it was dying. <laughs> yeah. Steel cables. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you mentioned Setlock. Um, you know, and one of the things that I wanted to talk, spend some time talking about, because this is a very polarizing subject matter, and I think a lot of uh, young people and a lot of guys and gals in the industry um, want to hear from you about this, because Jeff, you've, you know, you've been around the horn with different manufacturers as brand ambassadors, mm-hmm. um, on pro staffs, on field staff, so on and so forth. It sounds like your first foray into that was with Scentlock. That's correct. And yep. I remember when I first met you, I knew you were, you were a big Scentlock guy. Yep. Um, and if you, if you all heard him say it, they got a chance to witness you interacting with customers. Right. And chose you based off of that. Not yes. so much your, the amount of kills you had, the amount right. of how you shot your bow in tournament, so on and so forth. Can you maybe talk through that? I mean, because I I think our listeners, you know, it's kind of weird, but they all want to be sponsored. Right, right. Yeah. Which, by the way, I, I hate the term pro staff. If I didn't make that clear, <laughs> I hate it. Um, well, so real quick, yeah. why don't we go down a rabbit hole? Okay, I know tell where that, this is going. Tell that story. So there were some guys I know in the industry, and I think it was the Sitka guys. might have been Banning. I don't know. But I know they got together and made just some business calls. No, it was Ryan Silver and Casey Vandegraaff and Brian Anderson From Prime. at G5 Prime. <laughs> I show up at this big shoot in Utah, Total Archery Challenge. Yep. And I start finding these world's greatest pro staffer <laughs> business cards everywhere. No, dude, this with, was classic. With a picture of me on it. They were on, <clears throat> like, I had Corey Jacobson walking up to me asking for my autograph. <laughs> I, I mean, they had given these cards to everybody. Yeah. And so uh, there was uh, it was ridiculous. And the number on there was like, one eight hundred greatest pro staff or whatever. Turns out it was like a, it was not. It was a dirty a phone dirty number. Phone okay, number. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. It wasn't something you want your mom to call, right? Oh, and uh, so they ended up giving him to all kinds of people. They were laying on targets. They were all over the place, yeah, and that was pretty. Funny. They they knew I hated it. So yeah, God bless my friends. <laughs> but uh, back to it. Um. You know, the main thing is, and and I do hate the word pro staff because I think a lot of times I take it and I'm like, man, I don't like being accused of wanting handouts. Right. Um, at the end of the day, I want to use stuff. And, and I've changed. I mean, th- <clears throat> we're talking 20 years ago. Right. Is when I got started, 21 years ago. And a lot has changed. I've changed. Um, at the end of the day, back then, I thought maybe I wanted to be in the industry full time. Um I was a camera guy for the Scentlock TV show a little bit, right. uh, Wildlife Point Blank. Um, actually killed a couple animals uh, on that, but was on the Outdoor Channel. Realized, man, I don't know if I like TV either, because um, there was a lot behind it. Um, the shows never seemed to come off the way I thought they would, because they're really stories. And so sometimes they move. Like I remember we went on a writer's hunt and uh, killed some bears in Canada. And they they changed when the bears were killed. So my bear was killed like last. And um, in the show, it was killed second. And then, you know, uh, I think Jeff Murray, who was an outdoor writer who's since passed, he was the moon guide guy. Mm-hmm. Um, his bear, uh, or no, he didn't kill a bear, but the way they changed it and moved the story, I'm like, that's not the way it happened. You know, and I didn't like it. You know, I'm like, no, I want to hunt. That's what I care about most. Right. And so 
um, over the course of this 20 years, you know, I've changed and I know what I want to do in the industry now. And, and that is basically be sincere, be real, be me. Um, I want to support leading edge archery. I want to uh, support companies I love like Mr. Sam Soholt, you know, who does things okay. for, you know, September calls. He has this awesome public land tees, you know, and different things. I want to support people that I like because I like them, not because I'm necessarily getting paid. Right. So back that up. They sought me out. I didn't seek them out. And you know how it is when, when you have a guy in your shop, that's young and I'm going to, you've got a bunch of good guys yeah. and gals in your shop that a customer comes in, you put them first and in the end, they walk out with a bow, a sight, a rest, a dozen arrows, three packs of broadheads. Right. You know, and it, when it all gets said and done, we're talking what, 2,500? Yeah. 2,800? Yeah. At the time, I can't tell you how many power techs, Hoyt power techs, I sold back <laughs> in the day. Um, I mean, tons <clears throat> of them. That was the bow, you know, and, uh, I can't tell you. It was a golden key Futura. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, there was a couple different sites that we used. A lot of them were like Cobra. Yeah. Was big, and everything was a twenty four thirteen and a twenty three fifteen. Oh yeah. With Thunderhead one hundreds, and we would tune each one so the broadheads were perfect, mm -hmm. and these great big old you know plastic veins, and um, but I mean fifteen hundred bucks. You know, mm -hmm. out the door, out the door, out the door back in the 90s. Right. And um, those guys saw that. Right. And and you put the customer first and it goes somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that in all you do, if you're in it for you, people see it pretty fast. Yeah. And um, versus if you're in it to help people and, you know, Scott, I mean, oh, yeah. how many kids come in here and, Absolutely. you know, and, and you help <clears throat> them. I think that's a great place where when you help a kid, that kid can't do anything for you, but the joy you get from watching that kid hit the target yeah. and to watch him go from, you know, he or she from here to here. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible to watch somebody do right. that. And now all of a sudden it doesn't matter if they can walk it doesn't matter if they're the best in football. It doesn't matter if they're the best in another sport. They can be the really good in archery. Yeah, correct. Really good. And that does things for them that is immeasurable, yeah. right? So if you can encapsulate that, that's how you go places with companies. So if you guys didn't hear him, I mean, what he's talking about is education mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, he's, and that's one thing I love about Jeff. He is, uh, he's sure. I mean, and, and honestly, and you don't represent companies that you don't believe in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know for a fact this guy's turned down some offers for some other, in, another big companies, big manufacturers. Um, and not because you didn't like, you know, the product so much, but right. you've got to believe in the, the, the people behind the product. Mm -hmm. I mean, so Jeff's been, how long have you been with Prime? Long time. Since the very first bow. Yeah. At, same thing. They <clears throat> contacted me, right? Um, the very first Centroid. Yeah, the Centroid. Remember yeah. that? Golly, <laughs> so it's been a long, a long time. time. Probably, yep. what, 15, 16 years now? I bet it's closer to 10. Is it closer? Would no. be my guess. Really? I don't know. It's been Man, a long get time. get that big in 10. Really? Was it? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. See, I've been here in six, for 16 years, and, and Blake got the Centroids. I'll never forget. Yeah. Down at Wheeler's. Yeah, he did. Tried to get me to shoot them, and I didn't, you know, it was our first bow. It was a, you mm -hmm. know, wasn't great, but wasn't bad. Um, and, I, and I know that was 
I've been here 16, so I'm going to say 16 years. It's been a long it's time. It's been a while. But you've been offered some other spots with other mm -hmm. manufacturers, and you've always turned that down. Yep. And Prime was not a big player in the industry at the time. No. But it was no. all about the family. Well, and at the time, actually, when I got my first Prime, I was shooting an Elite. Really? Um, because uh, same thing. All The problem is, or the, I guess the good thing is, all these thin threads connect, right? Like I, as far as bows, like I've never been a shooter like you guys are. Competitive. I've, I've, I've never shot that. foam right. for, you know, for competition. I say that. I shot ASA, Open Sea, just long enough that I almost got a divorce. Um, <laughs> my my, my ex-wife uh, was like, you got to pick your poison. You can't do this. And, oh, and obviously my, so my kids were little, you know, and yeah. so it was just hard because um, she didn't want to be a part of that. And I, I was coaching three or four softball teams. I was fishing like nobody's Burning business a candle oh, all oh yeah the ends. and then i threw open sea in there you know i'm yeah. like oh yeah this would be a great idea <laughs> you know? and, uh, so i shot it just for a little while so i've never been that guy yeah i've always been the guy i love to hunt i i'm passionate and i got started um with outdoor sports marketing group out of nebraska actually it was owned by a good buddy of mine and um he said hey you know um we have elite bows. Uh, I want to send you one of my sample bows. Um, I just need you to kill some stuff. And, yeah. uh, and I had been connected with outdoor sports marketing group, um, on a couple different levels and always supported those guys that, because of Kevin, right? Yeah. Love Kevin Gabriel. He's a super good guy. And he was the person that, uh, had scent lock, yeah. um, the rep group that had scent lock. So I was shooting an elite and killed some booners uh, killed a booner in Kansas and killed some other big bucks and stuff and was sending him stuff when Jason Fuller, who was uh, one of the main guys at Prime at the time, VP of sales and marketing, called me and said, we got something special. Yeah. I need you to try it. And I'm like, what are we talking about? He's like, I can't, I can't tell you yet. And then like a month later, he's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to send you a bow. I want you to give you your honest opinion. And we had known each other since I was like, 19 um had worked shows together and we were good friends and uh my centroid was fantastic <laughs> and, and that's what sold me like yeah. i'm like oh my gosh what was different book. it it was it was so different and i was probably more i want to say i didn't say that you were with athens at the that time was I, I was think. shooting for athens yeah. archery and just that double i remember that double cam system blew me away i was yeah. just, i didn't trust it I mean, heck is See, and I, I looked at it and I'm like, I'm not a technical archer. I yeah. shoot a lot. I, in fact, if we sat down, you would probably want to fix my form, Scott. Um, no, we've talked about this. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it, we you, have. You don't fix what's not broken. Just let yes. it roll. Just let it roll. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Back in the day, you'd want to fix my form. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I just love the forgiveness. Yeah. Like from day one, when I picked that bow up, um, it was so much more forgiving than the other bows that I had right. been shooting at long distances, especially at long. Yeah. Right. You know, I think all of them are great at 30, 40, 50. Right. Um, but when you get out and you're shooting 60, 70, 80, 90, a hundred yards, yeah. it gets rough. Oh yeah. And, and for me, the stability was there. So, and I've, yeah. I've never looked back. So, but you, you're more in tune. Uh, I know you love the product, mm -hmm. but really the reason you're there is a the family. Definitely. The Graces. Yeah. Lou Grace, Matt Grace. Yeah. Yep. Nate. That's what, so the whole thing is it's a relationship for you. 
It is. Even though you've been offered some other manufacturers, I think some other very big manufacturers, and we won't name them, but nope. you've been, you know, brought to the dance by by them numerous times and said, nah, right. I'm going to stay where I'm at. Because right. you wanted to, and that's what I'm, I guess my whole point is, is that I know a lot of other people would have jumped ship. Mm-hmm. They would have used Prime as a springboard to get to the Matthews or the Hoyt, you know, to right. get with the big three. Right. Um, because the, the perception is, is that you're going to get something there. You're going to get more out of it. Sure. Um, and I know you turned down some offers from some of those big guys. I did. To yep. stay with Prime. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that was solely built off the relationship. 100%. I love those guys. Yeah. And I think that's what my point being is that that is where you get the opportunities. You know, it's, it's interesting you talked about the threads because they're all intertwined. Right. And that's something that a lot of people don't see in the industry, I think, when you, you know, I, I've said this for years and I'll continue to say it. The archery, outdoor archery industry is so small. You know, you, you can fart on the West Coast and somebody's going to smell it on the East Coast in a couple hours. It's true. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's true. way too small. Yeah, yeah. It is. It and, is. And, and so because those, those threads you're talking about are so intertwined, they will open up opportunities mm-hmm. for you in other areas or they'll also shut you down very fast. Correct. I mean, right. at the same time, you don't want to piss anybody off. Yeah. No. It's going to roll around, and you're going to be known as that guy. Right. And at the end of the day, I think another side note, I guess, um, to, to keep in mind is don't sell your soul for a peep site. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. Like, yeah. come on. You know, look at the big picture know why you're doing it, know why you're in the industry, what you're doing. And at the end of the day, it's not a bad thing to buy your stuff. And <laughs> like, be, you know why? There's no strings attached when you buy your stuff. Right. Correct. Because at the end of the day, good people, there must be something, um, you have to provide something in return. It needs to be win-win or no deal. Right. So at the end of the day, I don't feel bad. I mean, I bought this cup from Sam, right? I'm supporting that when you put dollars to something, um, it means something and it's a big deal. You know, Black Rifle, Black Rifle is a company I can get behind. I can pay for my coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good people. They're doing good things. They're, yeah. they're hilarious too. Um, but, you know, it's okay to vote with your dollars yeah. and look at the big scheme. Support your local bow shop, right? At right. the end of the day, don't, take your money somewhere else, you know, support your friends, support the people that you care about, yeah. you know, they've got to keep the lights on. Yeah. And, uh, so be very careful with who you join forces with and then always be true to yourself. Yeah. You know, don't sell your soul for, like I said, a $20 peep site or well, whatever it might be. Right. You said Absolutely. the best. You, people are going to see through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know some people that, you know, will get picked up by a site manufacturer, for example. I mean, and I know a guy who, who did this and all of a sudden this is the greatest site ever. They've never used it in their entire life, you know, and that's, I, I, I have an issue with that. I take issue with it. I see through it. And I think that when the person does something like that, it's long-term, it's not going to be good. No. Because then you, you know, you're going to sit there and tout it and tout it, tout it on social media. You're going to do the right things as far as supporting the brand without really having any time behind it. You know, it's... Oh, 100%. And you said it a second ago, and I've said this a hundred times, you know, coming out of the fishing industry, fishing professionally, and, you know, shooting archery, I have never not... I've never been picked up by a company that it wasn't obvious beforehand. I bought the product. Right. I've shot it. Right. And then through the interaction with customers and how I present myself and everything else, it was a foregone conclusion. You're going to shoot for us. This is what... Yeah, you know, we need you on the team. Right. Type deal. Right. 
instead of just taking the handout. Right. And all of a sudden, wow, this is the greatest release ever. You know, and you've never shot it before. Yeah, and I, that drives me crazy. Oh, it drives me crazy. The other <laughs> thing that drives me crazy, there's a I won't name names, but there's a guy out there right now. Um, I'm pretty sure all of us know him. And uh, he's switched bow manufacturers in the last five years, and uh, which is okay. Right. Um, but when you're getting free and you're going too free and you're putting out videos that are supposed to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Non-discriminative, right? <laughs> right. But when all roads lead back to this is the greatest bow ever, it slices, it dices, my wife loves it too. You know, you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, dude, it's yeah. obvious. Like, it, you know, and I'll be the first to tell you, there's some really good bows. 2021 produced some good bows. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that the Nexus 4 is one of the better ones, mm -hmm. right? Because I love Prime. But I'm also going to be the first to say, you know what? PSE's come a long ways. Yeah. They're producing some really good bows and they've got a couple models. I've shot. I like them. Mm -hmm. Hoyt has a couple models. I've shot. I've liked them, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you can look on down through the lineup and you should be able to pick three or four or five bows every year. Sometimes it's slim pickings, right. you know, oh, absolutely. Um, no doubt. you know, if, I'm not going to say, oh, this bow is amazing because we came out with a new buckskin color or whatever right. it might be. Right? right. Like there has to be more to it is like, oh, the cams changed, you know, the draw cycle changed or, you know, they, the grip just feels really good or, you know, it aims well, or there has to be real reasons on why you pick it, mm -hmm. but there's a bunch of them. And I think that we do ourselves a disservice now in the age of Instagram and YouTube and, you know, everything by only talking about the bow that you shoot or, yeah. or whatever, yeah. because let's be honest, there's, I mean, we probably could go down to the local five and dime or to the local pawn shop, pick up a bow. We could probably kill something. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so there's no doubt. And yep. it's no. And you know, one of the things that I think that we don't do a good enough job in the industry and I do it. And I think it's the reason why this shop has been so successful. And I even do it on video and I get some heat from manufacturers. I'll tell you what's not good about the bow. Sure. I, I'm going to, I want to be extremely transparent because they all have, good things and bad things. And I'm, when I say bad, they're not bad. Yeah. They're just missing in a, in a certain area. And yeah, But even what's missing in one bow for you mm -hmm. might still be okay for Correct. an entry-level shooter or, or somebody else. Yeah. Well, and in the beginning, I think as people, I think Leading Edge has done a really good job of getting people started in the industry, getting them started properly. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I think in the beginning, you really don't know what you don't know if that makes sense <laughs> oh, right yeah, like i'm gonna i'm gonna use i'm gonna use Lindsay as an example <clears throat> you know Lindsay drives two and a half hours or whatever yeah, and, yeah. and her and i have been friends on social media for a long time and i was one of the ones that told her she needed to come here right and um because one you guys had some left-handed i called ahead of time made sure you had some left-handed right. models and stuff but she came in she shot you worked with her bridger worked with her different things but in the beginning of, you know, being this rifle girl, um, basically, she probably won't like it that I call her that, nah, but no. that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but she didn't know what she didn't know. To now, she knows exactly what she likes about it. Yeah. Um, there's a big difference in putting thousands of arrows through a bow. Yeah. And that's why I tell people, one, get to a good shop. Don't get to a shop that is wearing one jersey and one jersey alone. Right. Because there's a reason, you know, there's other shops there's a bunch of other shops where they're going to talk you out of what you wanted 
Yep. And they only want you to shoot one brand. Right. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you need to go to that line and shoot three or four different bows. Yeah. You need to be at a shop that will will spend enough time with you that you'll have a good understanding of which brand, which model, how it feels, why you like it. And if the shop will do that, then you got a good shop. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you, so you hear this guy talking about it and you're a prime guy. I am. Well, no, it's, <laughs> it's, I, I can relate to this because when I came in, when, when I met you, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. The only thing I knew was Matthews because where, when I started bow hunting in Alabama, that one outfitter, all they had was Matthews. Yeah. And they, they would sell you the top end Matthews and talk you out of everything else. Right. So fast forward five, six years when I got hurt and I come down here, I came to Scott and I was shooting a little tiny kid's bow. And I <laughs> and that's okay. Me- yeah, I didn't know any better. <laughs> remember meeting you at, at TAC, put me in a prime and that prime helped out. Yep. You know, just, I guess I outgrew it or something and just moved on. And Well, yep. you were, you turned into a target guy and, you know, prime was pretty big in target, but you know, you just found something that fits your shooting style. Hell, you changed it twice in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you, I think you're home now. And it just, it just keeps on, on <clears throat> yeah. changing. And that's, and that's the thing. You mature as a shooter. You yeah. Know, and target archery is a whole heck of a lot different. It, it is different. We're running, you know, you run 5,000, 6,000 arrows through your bow in a half a year. And there's a lot more trial and tribulation that goes into that. And then you start drilling down what your shot process and what you need. Correct. And our manufacturers are going to fit that mold. Yeah. And you've got to just go through that. It's a growth. You know, it's growth. No. You know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I've been fortunate enough, and this is why another reason why you know I've shot for everybody at some point in my career. So you learn the nuances of what manufacturers do. They 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 get really good at one thing. Like Hoyt has you know had the cam and a half system for gosh an eternity, just changed it this year, which was amazing. But you learn that system and you can work on it for the next 10, 15, 20 years. You know, Prime has the the dual cam system, the double cam. I don't think they're ever getting away from that, nor would I ever suggest them to do that and it's going to be something you've got to learn and work with and i think that's what hurt prime from an industry standpoint heck i was i was that guy the centroid yeah. comes out and i'm like what is that <laughs> the two cams i mean come on <laughs> why would you do that and i and i questioned it why would they go out there and left field like you know and which made me nervous because they're an engineering consumer. company well they're an engineering <laughs> company you know and I, I tell you uh-huh. now um and just i want i want to go kind of around the circle a little bit with prime um I decided to open a bow shop uh, five years ago. Yeah. You know, because my. I remember sitting with you <clears throat> downtown. Yeah. With Cody. With Cody. Yeah. At the Mexican restaurant. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> Soul. Uh, what was that place just off Broadway? Um, One of your favorites. Oh, yeah. One of my favorites. Just inside 410. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember sitting there and you're like, so I think I'm going to open a bow shop. What do you think? You crazy. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, like, that's the saying. Well, you, uh, you, the easiest way to become a millionaire in a bow shop is have $2 million, run a bow shop, lose a million, and you're still a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> I asked you some hard questions. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. It was crazy. And, but I didn't say no. I no. didn't say you shouldn't. I just <clears throat> told you it's hard to make money in yeah. a bow shop, you know, and it's tough. But the funny thing is, is that when I did it, I was really going to open a service center only. I just wanted to work on them. I love working on both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like puzzles, you know, and when you get one that no one can fix, I love to fix it. I mean, I, it's just what we what I love to do. So anyways, we were talking through it and you said, hey, you know, you may want to look at Prime because I didn't want to carry a, a manufacturer, but I thought, you know, they're a young company and it might be kind of cool. And um, 
at the time it was i had nobody i think i hung up my used bows in that shop it was hilarious but yeah you brought it in and it was a prime rival i'll never forget that and um man they hit a home run i think every year from that the rival the synergy the rise i the prime rise in my opinion was the power band dude <laughs> it's is, where they hit the power band they're like telling huh? you, I, I don't care what anyone says yeah. i think one of the best bows it, that is the matthew switchback it prime. is the matthew switchback you're the right prime. yeah i still remember well, my you know, matthew funny, switchback and you can't find them online right now the yeah switchback the rise, rise. the rise. it is like a switchback you I can't can, find switchbacks i can find you a switchback but yeah i know a guy that has one yeah but i'm serious there and and the prime rise was the one i think it put him on the map yeah, I, mean, I, was, I agree. That bow was amazing. But it was, you know, it was awesome because, like I said, you brought the brand to me. We brought, we come in and we kind of ran with it. And I've said this for a long time, Prime, based off their engineering and, and working with those guys over the last four years, they'll be, I say this, the next Matthews in the next 10, 15 years. They can't help but not because they're putting so much into the technology and the engineering behind the bow. You know, it ain't the prettiest. You know, it ain't the coolest. You know, you pull Hoyt out of a box, you're like, damn that is a cool bow i don't care how it shoots it's a cool looking bow yeah you know you pull a prime out they you know they're getting better their aesthetics are a heck i love of a lot that better. hammer gray oh yeah <laughs> gray. but you know and that's the thing and but you get into the the meat and potatoes of the bow which behind it um and i you know they make a hell of a product and it's been one of our top sellers now for yeah gosh and so we've been in business yeah i know when yeah. i came to you that's pretty much everything you had on the wall was prime oh yeah we prime, just prime, and i had never heard of it and you know it was like you, you can't said, believe how many people in yeah. the last five years have said that never heard of this brand never shot it or i've heard of it never shot it never you know no dealers and and it's uh we've built kind of a cult following i think down here in south texas and it's now it's happening nationwide yeah mm -hmm. it's not just here yeah you know. oh and it's going it's going international too on the target side oh yeah you got a lot no of a lot of the world archery guys are, are shooting it out in international platforms. That is probably 3D. where I think they're going to really put their their stamp on it. Um, and I will call out Prime for one thing. I, I'd i like to see them get back into that target mode at some point here in the future. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, they're building a, a hybrid target bow. Mm -hmm. I mean, a hunting bow for their target line. And I'd love to see them go back into it. Because like you like said. Like the STX. Yeah, like the STX. You know, they went to this the, the center shot. And that, that was Dave Cousins. We don't. We all know that. <laughs> that was Dave one hundred and one, um, and and you know Dave has moved on now since. Yep. And I like to see him because they have such a strong international following. You know, with their CT nine, their Black Nine series. I, I love their new Nexus thirty six though. It's it's awesome. Um, but I would like to see him get a little separation there and get a true target lineup outside of the hunting line because I think they've merged those two. Yeah. And I think they have for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's easier. It's simpler. It's easy to streamline marketing, production, and design and engineering into one platform that you can do everything with. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. But to your point, there are a lot of archers internationally shooting their products. Yeah. And shooting them very well. I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to take that four out, but yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump the brakes. No, you're going to pump bit. the brakes there, homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No. I can't Which, afford another five bows. Yeah. So going let's kind of go back. You um, from a you know from a standpoint of you um, representing products. Yeah. You have represented the products that you believe in. Yep. And I want to go back and talk about because I love the way you the analogy you used the threads. Yeah. So you know you're with Prime. You know you're with Scentlock, and those are probably your two big staples that you started with. Yeah. Correct. Definitely. 
where did those threads take you after that? Oh man. And then relationships. I mean, heck, um, look at the relationships you have. So it all stemmed from Scentlock because Scentlock had me work ATA shows, um, shot shows. Um, my good friend, Greg Sesselman was the one that owned it for a long time. And, um, so then even once I moved down here, I was still affiliated with Scentlock until Greg sold it. Um, but those threads are what led to prime, right? I remember specifically working a show right across from Jason Fuller. And, uh, so Jason and I <clears throat> became friends, good friends, and it had nothing to do with products. I wasn't, you know helping him. He wasn't helping me. We were just good friends. We loved to hunt. We were roughly the same age. Um, and ultimately that, that friendship, um, working enough shows was like, Hey, you know, come on board. That's when I got the phone call. So that led to prime, which I have stayed with, um, ever since working those same shows. I, uh, I can remember the show I was at when the rep for West Michigan for trophy taker, said, Hey, have you ever used our rest? And I'm like, golden future for life, baby. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, he's like, man, we got this really great let rest. It's a drop away. Like you should try it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, this, this TM Hunter styles next level, you yeah. know, like, and, uh, um, and I can, I'll never forget when I got my first trophy taker, I got a phone call from Jared Lyle, who was the, um, the, uh, manager for trophy taker for Dan Evans. And, um, man, I was with them for 14 years Long time. Um, yeah. until he sold out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that led to option. Yeah. And I'll remember the first time I got a phone call about the Quivalizer and yeah. I was like, no, no I don't way. want that. No. I'll, uh -uh. I'll never forget that. And he's like, don't knock it till you try it. Five years now, I've been rocking the Quivalizer. Why? Because I love it. I love yeah. hunting with it. Um, but that's a thin thread, right? Yeah. That is, and and I've been friends with Dan Evans now for almost twenty years. Yeah. And uh, Jared Lyle, I still consider him a good friend. Um, he's now moved on to Hunting Fool Magazine, and uh, but I mean, we're still good friends because those friendships were real. Yeah. Right. They weren't a relationship based on product. They were a friendship. Right. And Jared and I, I mean. I, we've had conversations about stuff that really matters like relationships and uh, kids and yeah. you know, the things in life that we really care about, not, Hey, what can I get for free? Right. And uh, so that's, that's a thin thread right there. Um, go on through let's Sitka. Uh, I, I rock Sitka a lot, right? right? I represent them quite a bit. I remember when I met John Barclow, at a total archery challenge. I was working a total archery challenge because of prime down here, right? All of it just, it's like Kevin Bacon, right? The five levels of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> um, you can, you can match to everything, but I remember working a show, working a deal for Shonda Gray out in Utah. I met John Barclow and just love the guy. You know, he was sincere. He was real. Um, just a good guy. And, uh, he, he asked me, um, I had known, uh, about Sitka quite a bit because of a good friend, Kiviak height, which, uh, is, um, had been on staff with Sitka for a while, was a, an athlete, Sitka athlete. Right. And, uh, I used to go, like, I remember going to the Florida mountains to chase Ibex with him and he he had the tag. I was just there abusing my body 
Um, <laughs> and um, I remember coming off the mountain and his gear was impeccable and my gear was shredded. being shredded because yeah. it was built for tree stand hunting right. at the time. And um, I'm like, man, that's some good gear. I like good gear. I'm a junkie. Yeah. And uh, so Barclow asked me um, about coming aboard. And I'm like, man, I would, but, you know, I'm loyal. I love Sid- I love Scentlock and all that they've done for me forever and ever and ever. And um, Fast forward another year. My buddy sells the company. Right. He leaves. Bunch of things change. Yeah. It starts becoming a, di- a very different feel. Yeah. Um, joins forces with some some guys that I love, uh, like, uh, you know, T-Bone and I love T-Bone, but, um, Michael Waddell and that whole crew. And it just, it just changed. Yeah. And it was no longer the family that I wanted to be a part of. Um, and, uh, so I I remember calling Greg like, Hey buddy, what do you think? Um, I'm, I think I'm going to, I, and I had changed into this elk hunting fanatic, right? You know, I had gone in 2005 for my once in a lifetime elk hunt and I haven't, I've missed one year since. Right. 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 So I turned into this elk fanatic and Sitka is like amazing gear for elk hunting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I remember calling Barclow and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm ready, you know? Yeah. And, and he introduced me and Dennis Zuck, who was the product manager for the whitetail line. And, you know, that's been and the rest is history. The rest is history. So the so. common theme, if you guys are listening, you know, to Jeff, it's, it's the relationship. It's people. You moved on from companies that got bought, bought out or, Correct. you know, the owner sold it to, right. you know, we all do that. I mean, the whole reason to start a business is to sell the dang business. I mean, you want to make money. If it's not and, about uh, the money. It's, it's about the money. It's all about the money. Yep. Everybody tells you different lying. Yep. But you, but you have moved on and changed solely based off that small company that you had a relationship with is now no longer another corporate. And I can still call Greg Sesselman in Michigan. I yeah. still have a friendship. I didn't burn a bridge. Um, I, I'm still very good friends with Dan Evans yeah. at option archery and I love his site. You know, um, that being said, spot hog, I shot spot hog for a while. Yeah. Chris, at Spot Hog is a very good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, he he and I often laugh because, in fact, I talked to him last week. Um, I haven't shot Spot Hog in years. Yeah, but we're friends, right? You know, and <clears throat> and I don't call in favors. Um, you know, with him, uh, I I called him I think two years ago. <clears throat> I was setting up a bow for Lunkers TV, Rob. Yeah, and I said, hey, I'm setting up a bow for this guy. He wants a Spot Hog, um, and phew, he sent me one. Yeah. Um, but I, we're just friends, right? You know, the genuineness is where it's at. <clears throat> um, if you're doing something, expecting something in return, that's not a real friendship. You know, it's, right. it's just, yeah. Be genuine. Let me ask you a question. How of all, cause you, you're, you're pretty in tune with social media mm-hmm. with that entire genre of our industry right now. It's hell. I think it's running maybe 50% of our industry right now, if not, if not more, um, are you, how many guys do you think are like you and doing it right? Less than 10. Oh man. I go with five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm being serious. I don't know. Um, see, here's not the, very he, many. here's the deal. Social media is a black hole that if you're not careful, it will suck you in, hold you longer than you want to stay, take you deeper than you want to go. And one day you'll wake up and you're like, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. 
you know, and um, so you got to be careful. There's obviously people that are making money doing it yeah. and doing it right. Um, and then there's other people that are just on there for fun. Uh, um, and I got to be honest, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not making any money with Instagram, um, but I love keeping track of some of my friends. Right. Um, but I'm also not naive enough to think that if all I see is Jason's highlight reel on Instagram, that we're actually good friends. In order for us to be good friends, I have to be able to talk with him, reciprocate, like text or text him or drop into his DMs, you know, or whatever. Like there has to be some sort of relationship yeah. there. And and I'm going to say that a lot of the people that are on there for fun get fed up with it and they might be doing it right and then they just get off. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, putting it on, I'm putting out. it on the shelf. I'm out for a while. Um, you know, I have some really good friends that were very big in Instagram and then they were just like, nope, not doing that. I'm out. I'm out. And, and maybe they come back, you know, and there's a lot of creepers that are, that are good creepers, you know, like, uh, they don't post a ton, but they like, you know, what's going on with their friends and different things. And, um, just don't get caught up in the fact that that's a real relationship. Yeah. Actually call your friends. Um, but <laughs> So, so I think that number would be skewed yeah. because the people that are doing it right, a lot of them end up right jumping off. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, you know, you go in spurts. We all do, right? No, like yeah, we do. I like, agree. Like yeah. I went from posting all the time to, I don't know if I've posted three things in the last month. Yeah. Um, I, I might throw something on my story that disappears or right, something, right. but actually posting something and going through the efforts of it, yeah. like. Seems well, it's like one. it's a lot of work nowadays to make it to make a a, a good post that you know that is going to go out. It's a lot of work. It I'll is. Just, I'll just throw something on a story and yeah, call it good. I'll throw a picture of food or something. I remember uh, when. Hey, I'm alive. I love tacos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, we had the uh, we had the guys from Hushin down here. Yeah, two or three years ago, and we were talking to Eric about it. You know that. You know they're monetizing their platform, sure. obviously, hundred you know, percent, making a heck of a living. And you know, one of the things we ask them here: are these young kids making, you know, some really good, really, really good money. And um, and he made a comment to us. He said uh, he told me and Cody, I'll never forget this: do two posts a day, two two videos a day, every day. Try it. It's hard. And well, and you, you <clears throat> think about it two times. So you got a what ten to twelve hour day? That's cake. I can carve out. 10 minutes twice a day try it yeah it's, it's more than <laughs> i that. mean try it on your own social media page it's it hard. is not easy i mean yeah. and, now you, and i'm not you know you might be able to do it for the first week or two you know you're good but every day twice a day well and at the end of the day like what kind of content, content are you putting exactly. out there that people actually want to watch and not just exactly. go skip skip yep. you know and so it's difficult yeah. And, and so I, I'm on Instagram for me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I do it for me. Like I enjoy seeing some of the stuff, but it's for me. You I guys... want to keep up with my friends. I want right. to yep. let them know what I'm doing every once in a while. You every know what's funny? In, in those friends that you're talking about when you do that, those yeah. are all those. I'm going to start using this to let you know. That's the threads. Yeah. They go yeah. out there in the in the internet world. and Sure. Uh, seriously. And then they touch a, a bunch, of, bunch of different people. Because one thing I know about your post, for example which I think is makes the post, I want to say raw, authentic. You're never, I mean, you could never find Jeff. Like you kill this giant bull, which we're going to talk about here shortly. Uh, last year, was it last year or year before last? Year before 19, last. Yeah. yeah. 
um, and you don't get the prototypical, you know, oh, I killed my 385 with my prime Centrogy bow and my, my Montech broadhead, man, it performed flawlessly out of my Eastern arrow that uh, I used my, my trophy taker rest with. And if it, it's just the whole, you know what I mean? It's just hilarious because no, you read a, some guys posted. That's what it is. It is an advertisement. Right. But yours is more of a passionate story, oh, which oh, I love. 100%. It's, it's yeah. what you love to do that you're yeah. just letting people know. He'll yeah. let the picture do the talking. Exactly. You, know, you, you'll, you post the right pictures, if you yeah. want to call it, and that's all you need to do. Yeah. And you stay authentic and real, and that's why I love following guys like him. And there's some other guys in this industry that are, if they open their mouth, they're selling you something. I know. There's no authenticity behind it whatsoever. Right. And what's sad, though, and this is where I think maybe you will find out if there's any longevity with that guy. Because, you know, there's a couple guys out there now that are, they've got brand wow, horse. Oh my God. And they've got a lot of archers drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm -hmm. We deal with them every day in the shop. Mm -hmm. I think they'll be short lived versus the authenticity. I mean, you've been doing this for 20 years, 20 years you know, and quite frankly, I mean, I don't want you to have to share this, but you're not making a living doing it. You're not making a fortune, mm -mm. <laughs> you know. If anything, I you, might get a, you might I get got, a couple of hunts, you know, here and there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And but I I realized a long time ago that's not where I wanted to make my right. living. Right, right. I did not want to. I wanted, I never wanted my passion to slip over into profit and have it become profit. Because then it's not passion anymore. Exactly. How, how many how many fishing guys that get into bass fishing? And then it becomes a job and they no longer like it exactly. the way it's so hard because at the end of the day, you can say whatever you want and, and everybody's a critic, right? Criticism is the death gargle of a non achiever. Everyone's a critic, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you can hold on to a few passions in your life through your twenties, your thirties, your forties, your fifties, your sixties, it's what keeps you young having a few really passionate things yeah. and and at the end of the day like we want i know we want recognition but it's about giving back it's about others when you can weed all that into this recipe of life yeah you sleep well at night right you know and that's where i'm at i'm passionate like i i stay in my lane yeah i know what i love i know what drains my batteries you know i got asked to go to the shoot the other day you know and i'm <laughs> and and i love you guys you know i do there's a lot of people there and, and i get it i yeah. probably would have fun but i had a great day with my wife like yeah. i just i i invested in her she has a lot going on there's a lot of things we're building the house we're doing all this stuff yeah and i stay in my lane because i know that there's a day coming where it's going to be hunt, 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 mm -hmm. hunt, hunt. So my, my batteries are getting charged. I'm starting to get fired up yeah. because September calls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then I'm going to go chase big bucks, you know, out of state and stuff. And so I need my batteries charged. So I stay in my lane. I don't get outside of it. Yeah. But I also will lay, you know, encouragement on those people that are doing it, doing it well. And, right. Um, you know, I, I think part of the reason that leading edge has done so well as a shop is because you guys breathe in, breathe out, you know, yeah. and you have this yeah. hunting target environment. Exactly. So, but so people don't probably know what do you make your money at? I am a sales guy. Um, I much like my family grew up in a manufacturing background. Yeah. My, um, my grandparents were worked for general motors. Yeah. Um, they were big into uh, to all that, and I did a journeyman uh, uh, 
program and was a journeyman tool and die maker right. for years, built prog line transfer dies. Then I moved, I basically followed that line um, and have moved it into engineering and owned my own shop for six or seven years with a partner and, and then moved it into becoming a sales engineer yeah. and uh, worked for a few different companies, sold some robotics and you know different things and actually um, worked for a cutting tool company Right. And sell cutting tools to uh, machine, shops machine shops and yeah. stuff. And, 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 and I love it. And let's be honest. You probably have tailored your, you know, your career because mm -hmm. that's going to give you some flexibility. Correct. I mean, let's be honest. Jeff is, I guarantee, and going to go call in a couple of Colorado machine shops in September. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the good news. I can call on those machine shops and I can answer phone calls. And I can, I can go hunting, you know, because, exactly. because at the end of the day, like you have a certain amount of vacation yeah. and personal time and different things, but you have to be able to take care of your customers. Yeah. Absolutely. Even, even when you're, when you're out and about. And, yeah. Because and Lord knows September, I'm going to be using a lot of time off. <laughs> yeah. A lot. So, a lot. That's one thing that a lot of people don't understand. They want to get into this. They want to do it full time. They want to dive into the social media, be all these TV hunters and all that stuff, but they don't have a backup plan. Right. And then they struggle. Right. When, when their dream doesn't go the way that it, that it should go mm -hmm. in their heads. Yeah. They're struggling because they didn't have a backup plan. And George Riles was on the show and said it the same way. Yeah. He always tells his kids, Hey, you want to go into archery and be a pro? Go for it, but have a backup plan, yeah. which it worked out perfect for you. Yeah. Cause your, your day job pretty much enables you to go in, fulfill your passions mm -hmm. yeah well I, and that's what i love what jeff's talking about the passionate side of it yeah you know as you know, like us we're doing a podcast now you know we do a lot with social media um you know we do a lot in the archery world as a, as a business but there's one thing i've never done you're never going to see a shove product on your throat right you know even on this podcast i don't i don't even like talking about leading edge i mean from a sales perspective to talk about you know what we do to 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 make you better or you know it's passion this is what we live exactly the good news is it's here yeah. right like it's here we're at leading edge we're you know um you don't have to talk about it right. that's the great part yeah like just be people yeah. will i mean you know i've told i've told you many times you don't have to worry about everybody else just create this fire and this passion and this excitement and people will come from miles around to watch you burn. Yeah. Like that's what they want. Right. Like yeah. that is, that's what I do. If you yeah. build it, they, they will, will come, come baby. Yeah, no, you're right, dude. And this is uh, Jeff is, believe it or not, and he may or may not know it has been integral to our growth because of that. You know, I, I hear him and I've known him for six or seven years now and it's, you hear this and Jeff and I have been through our trials and tribulations, even from a relationship standpoint yeah. for a lot of different reasons, but yeah. you I always listened. I always heard it because yeah. the guy's successful in what he does. So, you know, it's, and you heard it just then. I mean, hell, my, I got goosebumps. <laughs> you know, if you guys can't see it, I got goosebumps yeah. because, you know, we're getting ready to go into this thing that you know, you're going to hear this guy really animated here in a second um, to talk about elk hunting. I mean, mm -hmm. it's now your driver. Mm -hmm. You know, and you and I are probably a lot alike. We came out of the Midwest. I'm from Ohio. Sure. Hunting big bucks. Yeah. My entire life. You know, we come down to Texas and and we're hunting German shepherds with horns, you know, and it's just True not that. like being home. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and and so. I still go to the Midwest, you every, still go to the Midwest year every year to exactly. chase it. I, I, I stopped for a little while 
And now I'm back because there is just something about seeing a 150, 160, 170 buck that yeah. is, you know, <laughs> not coming into a feeder, yeah. not, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not down in feeders or any of that stuff. Right. It's still hard to kill mature deer down here, especially in the hill country. Yeah. Um, Cause they'll come down Windia and they're spooked. They're wired to no, oh, yeah. no end. Yeah. But I love chasing crazy rut craze bucks. So it's funny you say that you, how you come full circle. I've kind of almost given up on whitetail for the last probably seven or eight years. Yeah, and I was just—I've been telling everyone I want to go back to Ohio this year. Hundred percent, kill a big buck, dude. I, it's so I, awesome. It's just—I shot that eight point last year, one fifty-four. Yeah. Oh, dude, I was so stoked. It, ah, stoked. Yeah, I couldn't even control but myself. We did put a lot of that on the back burner. Yeah, in our careers because of what I want to talk about next, which is elk. No doubt, there's just something about an elk. Yep, they're so enormous. Mm-hmm. And they're amazing. Um, how did you get into it? <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that is, felt magical. This is your that was, Zen moment. That was like a unicorn <laughs> fart. I loved it. <laughs> wow. Um, how did I get into it? Uh, Jared Lyle. Jared Lyle um, from Trophy Taker. I Growing up in the Midwest, I was crazy about whitetails. Right. So I started traveling. Michigan's whitetail hunting sucks. So I started traveling and I started going different places and I killed some 150s, killed a 174, killed a 192, started knocking down some big bucks on public land. And, um, Cause I, mainly cause I didn't have any money. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, people talk about, Oh, it was public land, but I, I was broke, broke, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I started knocking down these giants and Jared's like, bro, you are going to love elk hunting. He goes, cause he would, I would talk to him a lot and I would tell him how I was scouting places and hanging stands. And I would take two weeks off of my life to figure out how to kill these big bucks. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, you need to go elk hunting. You need to go elk hunting. And finally, I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So um, I, I ended up going elk hunting with some buddies and uh, did the whole e-scouting thing and public land and all this other stuff. And um, I really didn't feel like I was that good at it. You know, I just got lucky. I always, I tell people all the time, rather be lucky than good. Good, good. Right? No, because yeah. you need to be prepared and different things, but you also, there's some luck involved. And one of the spots I had picked turned out and I ended up shooting this, you know, six by six. It was, uh, I I actually stopped at my buddies in in Iowa on my way home and had him scored. He was 273 and, uh, I was on cloud nine. Yeah. I, I shot that bow with a Matthew switchback and, uh, and then I had a McPherson edge Bet you don't even remember that, but no, yeah. in, in a double bow case, right? I was so excited. I was tearing it. This is a total rabbit hole, but it's hilarious. Um, I was so excited. I was cleaning my truck out and, and nobody else in camp had killed a bull yet. And, uh, I had dropped these guys off and they were working through behind this private. Um, and they were on this public land and I was going to pick them up on the other side. So right. that they had spent all day and I was going to pick them up. I got the phone call. We had spotty service. And I'm like, oh, crap, I got to go. So I grabbed all my stuff, and I'm like, all right, good, we got it. And I back up my truck, and when I back up my truck, I hear, oh, Oh, no, your bow. Shadookie. (laughs) And I'm like, dang it. 
And I turned that Matthew switchback into a horseshoe. <laughs> I take it. It was a U shape. And uh, and the McPherson Edge, they were in the bow case together. Oh no! And uh, fortunately, I'd already killed my bow, my yeah. bull, so I didn't need them. But you talking about feeling like a dirtbag, horse's butt, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, cool story. It wasn't even my switchback. I had borrowed it from my buddy. Oh no! Oh wow! Because oh, I no. couldn't get my McPherson to tear perfect, right? And uh, so I had borrowed it from my buddy Mark Baird, who. Um, was the producer for a bunch of TV shows for Scentlock and stuff. So it wasn't even my bow. Oh, no. That's terrible, huh? Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> so anyways, back on course. Um, I, I ended up going hunting and, uh, you know, killing that bull, helping another buddy kill a bull, and spent, I don't know, 10 days, I think, in the mountains. And I, I remember driving yeah. home thinking, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. I, I, I love this. Yeah. And hooked. then I'm hooked. I mean, it, from that moment on, I've just wanted to do it more and more and more. Right. I think there's something about it. In fact, I talked to some guys the other day. Um, I, I want to create a t-shirt that, that's like get buckled and grind because I feel like that's exactly, I, I feel that every time I grab my backpack, usually I start out with my backpack um, or my bow on my backpack or whatever, but you know, you have that pack ready for everything and you grab that strap and you go to put it on and you get buckled and now it's time to grind, yeah. you know, like oh, yeah. if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Mm -hmm. There's a point where, you know, most of my, almost all of my bulls have been killed. Um, on public, you know, I've never, um, I haven't been blessed enough to comes down to the money again. Yeah. To build up um, 15, 20,000 RL con. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, I got nothing against it. I'm no. looking forward to someday to do it. I would love, <laughs> I'd love to be able to do it, you know, some of those places, but, uh, um, you know, you get buckled up to go elk hunting and now it's up to you. Like you yeah. have to go over the next ridge and over the next ridge. And there's just something about it that just yeah. fires me up. Oh yeah. No, so, no doubt about it. It's, but that was 2005. 2005. Yep. Yeah. It's, it is an addiction. There's no doubt that and I think a lot of it's got, you know, for me at least, a lot of it's just because it's being there mm -hmm. out there. It's, it's hard. It's, it's so hard. hard. It's crazy hard. I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, it is so hard until it's easy. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, if you don't think it's hard, watch Corey Jacobson, mm -hmm. you know, that, yeah, he's made it look easy sometimes. And then the backstory is there's been years where things just haven't gone down yeah. the way that they should. And, and it's not for uh, not spending the time or, um, and a lot of it comes down to where you're at. You know, I know uh, Andrew Whitney really good. Um, and yeah, I consider him a very good elk hunter and man, they've struggled last yeah. year. They struggled. He ended up shooting a bull, um, but it was tough. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of guys that are really good elk hunters and, and I'm constantly calling and picking their brains. And, right. You know, I've, I've got a core group of guys that I'm um, Dan Evans, mm -hmm. you know, um, super good elk hunter. Right. Um, it's hard. You know, and that's one of the things, you know, you, a lot of people get into the sport and like, I, I literally equate elk hunting to like bass fishing because people don't realize, because I've been a part of this where it takes hours upon hours, if not days and days to get enough content to put a 20 minute TV show together. Yep. A 30 minute show together. So when we do it and then you see it as a consumer, you think, Oh gosh, I can go out and catch bass like that. That's easy. 
it takes days and weeks and weeks and weeks to get the content on a bull kill. People don't understand the preparation that goes into it, what it goes into the, because it's a journey. Mm-hmm. And then you put it on YouTube and you see it in a, in a 15, 20 minute story clip and you think, gosh, I got to go do that. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it is not even and close. It, and the guys that do it on their own, it's even twice, three oh. times as hard to, to go out there and film a hunt solo. Yeah. No, if you no. don't have a cameraman. I don't. That's why I don't film my hunts. No. Because, yeah. you, you know, I just, Remy, I talked to Remy Warren about mm-hmm. this from Solo Hunter. Yeah, he's a good hunter. And he's an amazing hunter. But yep. if you ever had to guess on how many animals he has not been able to harvest or kill because, because of the of, camera, yeah, yeah. He, it'd shock you. I just love shooting them too much. Yeah. <laughs> I I have yet to film one of my hunts, and yeah, okay. my wife gets on me all the time. Yeah. And I I guess my answer is I like to live in the moment, not through yeah. the phone. Yeah. yeah. So, 100%. Yeah. It takes away from something. It does. It, does. it, yeah. it, it, it takes that connection away, in my opinion. It does. A lot of yeah. times. I couldn't imagine if he was on. This is why you've probably never done TV. Could you imagine? Because I know you. You know, Jeff, you got to wait. He's not in the shot. Jeff, you got to wait. Oh, and I, you'd I, be I, like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I, I've done it. I, I still see this buck in Iowa that I didn't shoot. His brow tines came up and out, and they were 10 to 11 inches long. Oh, my god! And I'm at full draw on this thing, and I've got my buddy in the tree with me for Scentlock Wildlife Point Blank, and I'm like, Meh. and I mean, he's just, he's just chip shot. Dead 30, rights. 32 yards. Yeah. Like, here we go. I'm ready. I got my renegade. My renegade alpha. You remember renegade oh, yeah. bows? Holy crap. That was a blast from the past. Yeah. And um I'm I'm ready and he goes, I haven't got it. I haven't got it. I'm like, I do it. And then he starts to go off a little bit. I'm like, bah, bah, bah. and I stop him one more time at like 40. And Craig's like, I haven't got it. And, I'm, and you lost him. I lost him. Never seen him again. Never seen him again. Yeah, see it's and I was like, screw this. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> T you could have TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah. uh uh-uh. uh. No, I'm not anymore. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And, well, mm-hmm. and that is the life of a TV guy. It is. You know, unfortunately. It is. It's, uh, yep. And because they're in it for a different reason. Correct. I mean, I hate to say that. And I'm not saying that's wrong. It's entertainment. It's right? entertainment. Exactly. It's entertainment. And, and it's afforded a lot of people. Uh, you know, I've Levi Morgan, mm-hmm. you know, he's, I consider him a good friend. He's a great guy. Um, that's a good situation because Micah's with him, his brother, right? And his his brother does really good, you know. Like they know, and oh, they and know they, each other. They've created this really good bond. You know, you talk about genuine people. You want to hold on to the genuine ones and flush yeah. the ones that aren't. Levi's a genuine guy. Oh yeah, and uh, so is Micah. Right, I love that guy. So well, they and they know each other. They know brothers. each other so well. Yeah. So there's not going to be a time I think Levi's going to be in that situation because Mike is going to have that shot. Correct. You know? He and, and Mike is doing all the editing, so he knows right. exactly what's necessary and you talk about a guy that loves to kill stuff. Oh, yeah. Levi? Oh my gosh. People don't realize it. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm like you. I know I've known him for years. Um he loves to hunt more than he does <laughs> to shoot his bow. He does. Target bow. Oh yeah, he makes his living of oh, course shooting, and, and, and he's he's, and he's found his stride again in a big percent. big way. He's yeah. doing really good, but he's amazing. He loves to hunt. But I've t- asked him if you have to put him in a corner and say which one we're doing, he's going hunting. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's funny he's setting himself up for that. I think sometime here, I believe in the in the near future, you're going to see Levi hang up that thing, and. uh Go kill things. You just never know. He's <laughs> such a competitor. He so is, but I he tries he loves to breathe that. in, breathe out. You know, I think he does a pretty dang good no, job. He of does. It. He does. Well, yeah. and he's one of the guys that we always talk about. 
you know, if you want to fight that social media stigma that we mm -hmm. have out there, I always tell guys, you know, you got to be careful because you've got some guys in social media that, you know, have killed a hundred animals and they've got a kill zone as big as their football. And that's their level of expertise that's required. And then those are the guys when they're giving out archery advice, make me a little crazy because you look at a guy like Levi who makes his living shooting a bonus ring at 50 yards. That's as big as a quarter. Right. Or shooting a feet, of course, it's at eight, eight, fit, you know, 50 meters. Um, the level of expertise to maintain that is much greater. You don't, so you don't he, hear me giving technical well, advice okay, on YouTube. You know, and, and it's funny as hell because that's exactly what I was driving to. I mean, mm. you've killed a crap load of animals. I mean, yeah. elk, mule, mule deer, um, whitetail, everything. I mean, so you've, killed, you've got a, a trophy room that's amazing. But it, it's awesome because, you, you know, you talked about staying in your lane. Yeah. This guy never gives archer advice. He'll, I've never heard you talk to a guy about how to shoot his bow better, how to change his form, mm -mm. Um, because you you stay in your lane. Yep. I mean, you're not a target guy. I did get one piece of archer <clears throat> advice from him did from you? one of your posts. Oh, really? Shoot your bow, get it, get it relaxed, and let your string settle before you tighten your peep. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I saw in a post. Yeah, yeah, there you go. He said, Bunch. "I don't I don't tighten my peep. I don't set my sights until oh, I, yeah. I shoot it." Yeah, I do that all the yeah, time. That's, right. That's, I want golden two, three hundred arrows through it before I get anal about all of it, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, let that thing settle in, and and then you can yeah. get it dialed. Yeah, because you'll have the guy that'll go out there and shoot it twenty times, set their sight tape, and then they're like, "It moved." Why does it move? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's got a stretch, bro. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so anyways, no, you, but he's a great guy. If, if I always tell everybody, if you're gonna follow someone on social media that knows how to kill things and knows how to shoot a bow, he's the guy, because he's genuine. On top of the fact that yep. he's. You know, he's not trying to sell your product. Right. Levi's, I think you and Levi have a, a very common core in a sense. It's about the relationship. You know, mm -hmm. I always got a kick out of the fact that he was with Browning forever. Mm -hmm. Browning um, camo. Yep. And hell, half the people, including myself, I didn't know Browning made camo anymore, you know. But he was with him because I think him and the owner are like really tight. Yep. You know, the, and so that's a relationship game for him. But uh, let's yep. get back to elk hunting. All right, let's talk elk hunting. You killed a giant. Two years ago i can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> <laughs> no this guy killed a giant he texted me and i about died <laughs> i was on the mountain when he when you killed it yeah and you even got on the cover of eastman and i know that wasn't something that you probably were crazy excited about but they called me yeah but yeah. they had to have it that was a hell of a bull yeah it was a good bull yeah what did yeah. he measure i never measured you him. never measured that bull mm -mm. so i'm gonna say 380 385 he's probably right in there yeah he's in there he's giant i never measured him He's my biggest. I'll just do you, put it do, you, uh, do you enter your your animals in book? I've never entered one. Not one. They're for me. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. So tell. I want you to talk through that story. How that bull? How, because here's one of the things I wanted to spend some a little bit of time with. The journey, because yeah. I know you. It's all about the journey. Oh, hundred percent. The bull that was a culmination of it. Um, but I know you that year to talk to you during the hunt. You had a tough freaking set up to killing that bull i did i mean tough and like there was a couple of text messages i know we had traded where man jeff sounds like he's ready to give up he's about done it was it was hard it was hard there was a lot going on um you know uh, there had been a lot that had happened a lot has ha has happened you know oh, I, yeah, I that I, year was that was prolific that was you. on the back side of getting divorced yeah. from my high school sweetheart basically. And, uh, you know, trying to still be uh, a dad, um, 
the best I know how, you know, to my kids. I love those guys. I love listening to Jake and, um, you know, so you've got that and, and I don't care how good or bad that goes, it affects you. Oh yeah. Right. And so, um, it was funny cause after that happened, I actually moved in with some mutual good friends. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was so funny cause the first and foremost, I drew a tag that I shouldn't have drawn. Right. Right. And I'm not going to give the area or anything like that. It was, it was Utah. And, um, I had 12 points and I should have, they give two non-resident tags and one's to max points and one's to random max points was like 21. Wow. I had 12. I drew the random and I remember logging in and seeing Utah bucks on my deal and I'm like hmm Utah bucks I didn't even put in for a buck tag I put in for a point <laughs> like I if you know me I'm not a big mule deer guy right. K- kill a few but right, right. not a huge mule deer guy and I remember seeing it I'm like oh crud so first text was to uh my buddy Ryan Carter second text was to Shonda Gray total archery challenge and I'm like hey what is this Utah bucks and uh, they're like how much is it for I'm $801, I think, or 810 And they're like, you just drew an oak tag. I'm like, there's no freaking way. <laughs> they're like, Sean's like, you just drew an elk tag. And I was like, woo! <laughs> like, yeah. And Brittany is down at the other end of the house, and she's like, what'd you draw? I didn't tell her I it was about yeah. any of that at yeah. all. And she was like, what'd you draw? Because she knew. And uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, I just drew the tag. And then I called Ryan Carter. I'm like, brother, I just drew. He's like, no way. I said, I drew. And uh, we talked for a while. And and my buddy Ryan is, I've known him quite a while now. Dang, probably five or six years. And uh, he is definitely a very prolific outfitter right. in that in that unit. And, and I had never gone guided for elk ever. And when I called him, um, he, he said, man, brother, I'm going to help you as much as I can, but I, I, you know, I, I, I'm busy (laughs) and, uh, he's like, but I'll, whatever it takes, like, I'll help you. And, uh, man, he was so good to me, but Sean had hunted that unit. Um, a bunch of other people I know had hunted that unit, Casey Harbertson at mountain ops. Um, and, and I had Casey and I have been friends a long time too. So I had listened to him during that hunt and, uh, knew that it was a very difficult it's a very thick unit right and so it's hard to glass it's difficult to hunt but i kept hearing from people that live in utah and different things how i had hit the jackpot oh you yeah. know and, no and and obviously ryan carter dc outfitters yeah. you follow him on instagram it's giant after giant, giant after giant after giant and 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 i'll be honest you know i'm a student of the game and I love elk hunting, um, but at the same time, hanging with Ryan, it, it was totally different. Yeah. Um, I learned so much from him. And uh, so, <clears throat> but, I, I, I mean, real quick, but don't you think that, you know, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole just a little bit, but a good kay. one. But don't you think that whole thing was like, because you're a very, Jeff's, you're a very spiritual guy. 
That's a God thing. Oh, there's no doubt. He there's definitely no. chose to bless me. Dude, because you yeah. were at that point in your life, what you were going through on a personal level. It was tough. was tough. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a God thing. Yeah. He, he took care of me. I no he doubt. Hey, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know <laughs> that he watches me. And uh, so... I remember get at that point it was like, all right, I gotta get in shape, yeah. you know, and, and I do my best to get in shape every year um, because of some things that happen with Kiviak, you know, hunting with him. And he always makes me feel like I'm fat and old. Dude, he's a mountain goat. Oh, he's a mountain goat. Dude. He's, he's incredible. Yeah. And um, so I got in shape and I was in shape. I was ready, did a bunch of total archery challenges, had my setups all dialed in. Life was good. And um, how deep do you want me to go with this thing? I want to go Dude, all I want, of it. All yeah. Of it. I want to, yeah. Cause this is a good story. Okay. So, cause you know why um, this is, a, this is, this is going to be a testament to the guys out there for, on perseverance. Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, you, you've worked your butt off all year because you got this, this incredible tag. Yeah. The whole thing. So uh, Ryan committed, um, to work with me and, uh, Ryan. So I, um, definitely he, he set up tree stands for me. Mm -hmm. Um, we developed a hit list based on trail cameras. Um, I say we, he did. I mean, he ultimately gave me some bulls that he, he really liked. And, and I'm like, I, and I told him at the end of the day, I said, listen, because with this kind of tag comes a lot of pressure. Correct. Internally. Right. Um, and I don't consider myself a trophy hunter. Um, a couple of years earlier, I had drawn a solid tag that took me 10 years to draw. And it is a, it is a 330 plus unit mm -hmm. um, in another state. And I realized I shot a bull day one by myself. Cry, um, I called it in. I frontaled him. Uh, and I didn't have a buddy for eight miles. It was just me. And when I shot that bull and he ran off, I didn't know if he was 300 or 350. Yeah. And I remember sitting there thinking, was he big enough? <laughs> was he big enough? All right. Because of the draw, because of the tag. Yeah, because it took me 10 years. Yeah. Not because I'm a trophy hunter. And at the end of the day, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you're here for you, remember? Right. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like, at the end of the day, like, he came in screaming, pissing all over himself. Like, he was pumped up and you put it right in his throat. Yeah. I'm like, yes, <laughs> That's a good you know, thing. like I don't care how big he is. Right. And I realized at that moment, 100% of the time, I'm not a trophy hunter. I'm about the moment. I want to yeah. be in the moment yeah. and I don't want to care about the score. And, and I'm not going to throw stones to steal from Cody Jenks, um, from somebody else. But, um, for me personally, I want to kill a mature elk with a bow, but at the end of the day, the score doesn't mean anything. That being said, when I walked up to him, he was 350. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Um, so going back, I told Ryan, I said, listen, my biggest bull is 350. I just want to get my personal best. Right. So I know this is a unit that has the potential for 400, but as long as he beats 350, you're good. I, I'm throwing an arrow. Yeah. And uh, so we, we developed this list. Were you willing list. to eat the tag? If not? No. No. Okay. I was curious. No, I wasn't. No. Cause um, you still like to kill. Oh, I do. Well, and, and that's why, and that's why I took, and so this Utah's weird. They start in mid August. Yeah. And so I almost felt like I had two hunts. Right. So I cleared my whole schedule 
and I made 10 days on the front and then I had to fly. So I drove to Utah, had 10 days on the front. And then my plan was to leave my truck at the Salt Lake city airport, fly for work, take care of a couple things for four or five days and then go back. And my truck would be there and hunt 10 more days. Right. Um, so basically from opening day, 10 days, then come back pretty much on labor day and then hunt for 10 days. So it's basically a very quiet, very hot water tree stand type hunt in the beginning, um, trying to hunt patterns. And if you need to know more about that, ask Ryan, he's the king of it. Yeah. Um, to the backside, which is more of a typical rut hunt. Right. Um, in the rut hunt, you can't really control what happens. Right. Um, so I wasn't worried about eating it. I mainly knew that what was probably going to happen is that on the backside was the bull started getting fired up. I was going to end up shooting a three hundo or whatever right, right. when he came in screaming. That was a satellite, you know, yeah. and, and, and I was good with it. And he gets you your know? blood pumping. I'm like, hey, yeah. you know, if I let that arrow go, I'm, I'm happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was my choice. So we created this hit list. Scotty Pippen was on the top of the list, Pippen. And then there was another one named Spud and Spud Webb. And uh, both of them were, I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. I mean, these were, and Ryan started sharing pictures and that guy's a beast. Um, not only does he have a good heart, um, he's good. He's just a good dude, um, but he's a beast. Him, yeah. and, him and the crew down there, um, they run well over a hundred cameras on that mountain all over the place. They, you know, they grew up running cameras down there. They know it like the back of their hand. Right. And, um, so I was in camp with him and, uh, I got there. I was so excited, so pumped. You know, I, I really felt like when I crossed over the Utah line, I was in the best shape that I had been. I physically. was ready physically, yeah. um, mentally I was dialed in, um, archery equipment, archery equipment was great. I, I actually had two prototype, uh, M threes mm -hmm. before they came out. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I was dialed. I had shot them both. I knew exactly where they were going to be. And then I had, I had, uh, stick cold steel, uh, stainless steel, or not stainless, the CS, uh, -huh. uh Montex is back up. Yeah. Um, I was dialed. It was shooting so good. So opening day comes and, um, you know, we've got this hit list and Ryan, um, shows up and, uh, he's, I'm in camp with him and, and a couple other guys, Kyle Ostrand and Donnie Wilson was there to help, um, film Kyle. And he was chasing a, a bull chunky monkey. And, um, so Ryan walks me into my stand, uh, opening day and I'm marking things, you know, and, and I love how Ryan thinks like a, a white tail guy. Um, because I'm a, a scent whitetail guy, right? right. Oh, and yeah. so we, we go in and he has it set up. He knows where the thermals are. He knows how these bulls are coming in and out. Um, he, he really laid it out for me and we went in way early. We, I wore one set of clothes, um, going in, we got up to a changing station that was about 400 yards, three, 400 yards from the stand. I completely stripped down put all those clothes into a scent bag. Um, That's whitetail. Sprayed down completely, put a fresh set of clothes on, and then carefully climbed into where the stand was. So you didn't sweat. Didn't yeah. sweat. Yeah. Sw you know, sprayed down again, used my Ozonics. Like, it was 
Whitetail. It was whitetail hunting. <laughs> That's whitetail right? hunting. And opening morning uh, comes and goes, and I, I saw a mule deer, I think. One mule deer doe. And, but I'm, I'm flying high, you yeah, know, yeah. and, um, I could, I, we heard a couple elk move off. Um, it's, we were pretty sure. And, uh, so I get done. I follow my trail out. I go back to camp, uh, at like 11 o'clock and we kind of go through, um, a game plan. And then in the evening I go back and do the same thing. And I want to say after a couple days of that, I don't remember, they all kind of fade together a little bit, but after a couple days of that, um, not seeing anything, Ryan goes, goes back he kind of laid everything out he gave me the keys to the cameras yeah he gave me locations pins like he i you ever go you ever watch the matrix uh-huh. i felt like keanu reeves <laughs> like ryan set me in that chair and <laughs> hooked that Plugged sucker up and <laughs> like oh my gosh like it was so crazy the amount of information that he fed to me about individual bulls and after hanging with him for those you know two three weeks I felt like 50 to 60% of what I thought I knew about elk was bull crap. You're kidding me. No. Because you'd killed a lot of bulls up until that, that two years ago. 100%. But I literally realized that here we've got all these East Coast and Southern boys like us that go up there in the mountains and we just beat the piss out of everything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And imagine doing that here. Or, or on your mom's back 40, right? Yeah, Imagine yeah. being on the back 40 uh, in Ohio and just going and everywhere you go, you're just, burp, burp, burp. you're just grunting and doing different things and, yeah. and you're just killing this back 40. Yeah. That's what I feel like most elk hunters do. No doubt. <laughs> and, you know, we've talked. Absolutely. You, you, you are always looking I'm for the aggressive. Guy. You're that guy <laughs> sometimes. That guy. <laughs> you like the aggressive. Corey Jacobson, same way. He yeah. doesn't want to kill a bull unless if He's it's, talking. it's talking. Yeah. You know, and I get it. You know, and at the end of the day, I'm not casting stones. No. Um, but I like to kill. And I loved playing the game of chasing after these big bulls. The cat and mouse. The cat and mouse and, and everything that went with it. And so what ended up happening is I started to learn details of where these bulls were. Um, he would show pictures. I mean, it was incredible what he knew about a particular bull and the loops that they would run. They're very and patternist. I mean, they're, they're as long as they're not bumped, as right? Long as, bumped, as long as right. they're not bumped, yeah. there's certain things. And, and most of them are on seven to 21 day loops. And at any given time, you know, they'll be in different places, but then their summertime is different once they, once they strip and they go hard horned and then they'll go into a different pattern and then they move into their rut. And most of them like to rut in the same areas. And, you know, I had no idea how habitual they actually are. And Ryan has been blessed to hunt in an area where there's not as many hunters, there's fewer tags and very mature bulls. And so he is a wealth of knowledge, yeah. um, you know, and, and I've forever have changed the way I look at elk after hanging with him for, you know, a couple, a few weeks. Right. Right. And, uh, so <clears throat> anyways, it ended up for a few days. We, we were in the stand. It wasn't so good. And then I, I posted a video like day three or four. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have this bull the giant. <laughs> I'm in this stand. I don't know how you let him go. And all of a sudden, this bull is stripped, right? He's got hangers. We call it a stripper. And he's got hangers that are just big strips of velvet 
off his horns and he's got brush in there and I posted the picture oh, yeah. and, and he's a very, I wouldn't have let him go anywhere else. <laughs> like nowhere <laughs> else. Bull. And he walks by me at like, it couldn't have been 10 yards. I, was I don't say, know. It had, I look like it was about 18 or 15 yards. It was under 12 yards. It was under 12. It, and I, I remember grabbing my bow, trying to swing my tacticam on and, and, and I go to swing, and as I get, the Tacticam footage is really funny because you see me come down on him, and then I realize I'm not going to shoot him, and I hang it back up on the hanger, and the bull, then I pull my phone out, and I start videoing because he's so incredible. I mean, how often are you that close to a bull, and they don't know you're there? Yeah. Wow. Right. And so I pull my phone out, and I start videoing, and the bull walks into the Tacticam footage, <laughs> yeah. and you can hear the audio on that Tacticam is really good, so... You could hear it. It was amazing. I remember watching that bull walk out, and I'm like, I might be an idiot, but that was really cool. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, I was just shaking yep, when it was done. Bull, he had to be around that 350, 360 range. I, I'm going to say he was a little smaller than that, but, but, but he was solid. A solid bull. Solid bull. Yeah. Big old belly on him. Just oh, yeah. beautiful bull. Big bull. And um, I'm like, man. And then, and then my batteries were charged. I was just like... <laughs> Game All on. Right, game on. We're doing this. And I sat. And I sat. And I sat. Yep. And um, so the plan was like literally because Ryan had other clients and other stuff going on. So he walked me in that day. But then we didn't spend time on the mountain again until um, the second time the when, second I, when I came yeah. back. So after that, though, but every night he game plan with me. Like we would be like, all right, this is what I saw. This is what I did. He's like, all right, you need, I need you to check this camera, this camera, this camera, and this camera. So I would sit in my tree stand till like 10, 11 o'clock. Then I would get boots on the ground and I would, I would go and I'd swap out cards, put all this stuff together and I'd download it into the cloud and, you know, pick out the good ones for Ryan. And, and then we'd start coming up with this list. Who's daylighting? Who's not daylighting? And at the end of the day, it was super hot. Nothing was daylighting. Nothing was talking. Um, I didn't even bump elk during that time. Going in another stand, even when I was, I, I wasn't bumping anything. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I've hunted the crappiest places in Colorado and Montana, and I'm bumping elk. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dang. Why am I not bumping yeah. animals? This is when the psychological game starts to happen. This is when the mental game got super tough. Yeah. And I, I stayed strong um, because Kyle was in the same boat. He was in camp with me, Kyle Ostrand and Donnie Wilson. And it was just like, this is terrible. Like, we're not seeing elk. Yeah. And uh, we're seeing moo cows. Like, dang it, I hate moo cows. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, when you're sitting there and you hear something, you're like, oh, God. Here, here, comes, we go. here, comes, here, here comes. we go. Here we go. <laughs> you're like oh not another moo cow like oh yeah. and and i remember i sat in that stand i think i did nine consecutive days of sitting and i was going crazy it's like solitary confinement yeah I'm, i mean you're sitting in that especially stand day you, in and day out yeah especially you prior to that have been boots on the ground always chase 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 I, chase, i've chase. never hunted elk from a tree stand exactly now, don't get me wrong, seeing that big bull <clears throat> that close was incredible and it helped keep me going. Yeah. And then we're looking at cameras. I mean, there's bulls all over the place, right. but they're in the dark. Yeah. All all nocturnal. All nocturnal. Moon's wrong. It's hot. It's just terrible. Mm -hmm. And I I remember getting done and I'm like, I'm going nuts. 
I, I it was good that I left and had to go to work. It actually probably was really good. Yeah. To help keep this upstairs. Factory reset. Oh yeah. So I Get ended away. up exactly. I ended up going and it's amazing how great Taco Bell tastes after you haven't had it in like two, three, four weeks or whatever. Like, and you can't get it right. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, I want this and this and, and, I want and, that, and that, 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 that. And you're like, oh, Taco Bell. Um, so I remember flying out, you know, and, and, and trying to get my head right. Like one, I tried to just get rid of all thoughts about elk for right. like three days. Right. I'm like, don't even like, let's get to work. You know, and, and I, I did some stuff and at the time I had a really bad boss. He was not a nice person. And so I was just trying to work through some of that stuff. And I remember coming back into, into Utah and, um, just being pumped and like, all right, here we go. Recharge. Yeah. Knowing that Ryan's in camp, knowing that my boys are in camp, like they've been struggling, but it, it's game on. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. So I remember um, driving down, you know, it's, it's a long drive from the airport. And I remember getting back into camp and talking to Ryan and, and that next day or that, that night about the next day. And he's like, so do you want to go to the tree stand? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and and uh, he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And, and I was switching back between a couple tree stands cause there's two different bulls and yeah. there's different areas. Um, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to go to the tree stand. Right. So we went to a different area and we glassed and we glassed up some elk, um, in this area. And we found a bull, um, that I was willing to shoot. He was unique. He was probably a 370 class bull. And I'm like, that would be a personal best. Let's do it. So I dive off. He's up top. I dive off and I go, um, in after this bull and I got lost. <laughs> <laughs> like a, I got lost. I'm like, oh god! I ended up coming out way too close to the bulls, and it's like, dang it all. And I, I, I end up reaching back out to Ryan. He's like, come back up here. Like, I'm like, man, I totally. It looked totally different down there. You know, you know how it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. And so, I ended up getting back up, and just as I got to Ryan, he's like, dude, I just betted a giant. I'm like, really? All right. And. uh so he betted a, a different bull. We called it the flyer bull. Really solid, great bull in that same 370 plus class. Yeah. And I ended up working in on that bull. And I remember being 20 yards from that bull, hearing him chew his cud. And it was all this oak brush in between me and him. And the wind was decent, but it wasn't good. And it was so cool when it came together. Like he walked me right into this bull. And, uh, you know, that's tough. Heck yeah. It was so much fun though. But the problem is all I had was a Texas heart shot. That's it. Right up the old cornhole. Yeah. And I'm like, no, nope, not going to do happening. it. Not doing it. Not doing it. And, uh, so I remember sitting there and, uh, I'm like, man, the wind. And I sat there for probably 20 minutes and everything was good. And I had just this brush between me, but all I had to do was take one step out into the opening and I could have laid, you know, I probably could have tucked one in maybe, yeah. but it wasn't a good shot. Right. So I'm like, I'm just going to wait. This bull's probably going to get Stand up, up and Ryan, you know, uh, Ryan's going to coach me and he's going to get into a better spot and I'll be able to shoot him. And or I should be able to hear him get up. That's yeah. how I was 20 yards from him. Right. And I hear him come out of his, I hear him stand up. I draw back and I see him and he's 
he's starting to take off. And, uh, and so I step out of the brush and I try and stop him and he just takes off and he walks out of my life. But I literally just that moment, I'm like, that was incredible. Yeah. That was worth all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I was just next to a world-class bull. My buddy's up there on the hill. He walked me right into it from a mile away. Yeah. And I remember just going back up to Ryan, like, this is awesome. You know, (laughs) like, oh, I feel so much better. You know, I'm ready to sit in a tree stand now. (laughs) And uh, so after that, that was like the best day ever. And after that, I ended up sitting in the tree stands a few more times. And then um, Labor Day came. And when Labor Day came, Ryan was like, all right, we're changing. Got your bugle tube? And I'm like, yeah. I'm not a big bugle guy. You know me. Exactly. And uh, I I do some cow calls and stuff, but I'm so used to hunting heavily pressured elk. Yeah. And uh, But he's like, all right, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to look for. Here's where you're going to start. And he laid out this game plan for me because we were trying to find daylight in elk. And uh, so I ended up, I ended up getting a couple of them to play and, uh, but never saw them and they still weren't fired up. It was too hot. Yeah. But I ended up, um, there's an area that we call Helms deep now that, <laughs> um, we found, uh, some daylight and bulls and there was a particular bull in there that, uh, had these swords that tipped forward and were probably 24 to 26 inches long. Jeez. And I called him princess bride. And I, he was basically a five by five, but he did actually have fifths. They just weren't very long. Yeah. And maybe four inches or something. And I actually wanted that bull. He wouldn't, he wasn't going to score as big as mine, but But he he was was super mature. He had the look. He was just, I'm like, Hey, I'll hang my tag on that bull all day long. Just a cool bull. Just a cool bull. Probably a 350 type bull. Yeah. Maybe 360, but just cool. And I'm like, I'll, I'll enjoy looking at him every day yeah. for the rest of my life. Exactly. And I'm like, I want him. And so I put him on my list <laughs> and, and I was like, cool, whatever, dude, it's your hunt. And, um, he goes, but I want you to know, he goes, that area up there, he goes, the coach is going to show up and he's going to show up. If I remember right, he was like between the fifth and the seventh of September. And once he shows up, I'm going to have him on camera three to four times a day for seven to eight days. And I'm like, what is this guy? This guy know what he's talking <laughs> he's about. Like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> so I remember I, my plan was I would go sit my tree stand. And then after I sat in my tree stand, I would work up to this area and I would pull cards. And all of a sudden, um, Princess Bride and this other bull, not the coach, but a different bull that I probably would have shot uh, in a weak moment. Um <laughs> they started daylighting and the problem was it was a box Canyon. And so those of you guys that elk hunt and stuff, box canyons are so tough because yeah. the wind just the does this. It's, it's it a just, toilet bowl. It's a yeah, toilet bowl. It just sucks. Yeah. And so the only way there was a couple wallows in there and, and the only way I could figure out to hunt it was I basically had to stay out of that box Canyon until the thermals got switched and we're starting to come down really hard, then it would pull the air out of that box canyon and dump it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what I started doing. So I, I started getting pumped. I'm like, oh, this plan just might work. Yeah. Because nothing's talking. I'm not hearing anything. And so, um, and Kyle's not seeing anything either. But we're keeping each other pumped up. You know, we're, it was tough, but I ended up 
the first day in there, um, I didn't see anything. And I'm like, oh man, I thought I had it right. Like I thought it was good. I thought my plan was good. So I remember coming out of there, you know, after I did that. And, and this is now day 12, I bet, of, of hunting. And uh, I'm like, man, I feel like things were good. They just weren't moving. So I go back and I go through the game plan with Ryan. And I'm like, factory repeat. Here we go. We're going to do it again. So the next day, um, I pass on three bulls. I come to full draw on Autumn because I can hear him coming out. And uh, basically, there was a little bitty ridge in this box canyon, and I had to stay on one side of it, and it would suck my air down and away from these wallows. And I could hear the bulls doing some stuff. They were just banging timber mm-hmm. and stuff, yeah. right? And so I, I come to full draw. This bull steps out. Pff, dink. Another bull comes up. Tink. Busted. I'm like, dang it. That's not what I was hoping for. And then another bull is, is better, but uh, I'm like, oh, man not the shooter mm-hmm. so um man, i'm trying to remember i can't remember if that was day two or or if i killed my bull in there day two or day three there i want to say that i killed him on day two in there and i had those two bulls come and then a different one and then i backed back out a little bit because the wind was bad and then i heard my bull in a wallow and he was just tearing it up, going crazy. Yeah. You hear the water, you know, oh, yeah. you hear, you know, I can hear, I can hear antlers banging yeah. against deadfall. Right. You know, and he's just going nuts and I go to sneak into him and I get about 40 yards from this wallow and I hit the puffer and it starts going towards him. And oh, I'm like, no. so I back out a little bit and I'm like, I, I can't. So I back out to where I'm on the edge of this little finger ridge mm-hmm. And I can keep it going good. And I'm like, well, based on all the cameras and, you know, based on everything that I've seen, because I've walked this, I'm pretty sure after he gets done there, he's going to go out into this meadow. And uh, there's the main trail, 45 yards, no, 40 yards. And then right there, that's 45 to where, you know how elk are a lot like axis or axis are a lot like elk. Mm -hmm. They'll stage. They won't just go out into the open. Right. Right. They're going to stay there and check it out. Exactly. And so I remember, I remember hearing him get out of the wallow and I could hear him shake off. And when I heard him shake off, I came to full draw because I'm like, I'm not going to have much time. Right. And sure enough, all of a sudden I see, and I remember Ryan saying, listen, the mature bulls here for the most part will have big thirds. He's like, they just, they just, a, a big bull will have, Good fronts, yep. big thirds, solid back end. And and I hadn't seen the coach yet, um, but it was literally the day Ryan said he would show up. And out he walks, and I'm like, that's the coach. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because I'm like, big fronts, big thirds. He's like a postcard. Yeah. Solid. He's not weak anywhere, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's him. And, and I wait, and I don't want to stop him. Cause I just, bad things happen sometimes. You shot him, we're moving. No. I, so he walks right through my 40 yard lane. Yeah. Just lumbering. And then he goes behind this tree and then he stops just before he's going to walk out into this meadow and he just looks and I'm like, that's my 45 yard mark. See ya. I got my option on him. I, I gap my 40 and 50 yard pin, put it right on away. It went. And as soon as it did, it just, Boom, Smoke just hit him. him. And I thought, oh, crap. 
because he was actually quartering away from me a little bit gotcha. and I thought I hit the shoulder. It was so loud. I thought I hit the shoulder. And so, and he takes off. And uh, so I grab another arrow. I run down this little finger ridge to the next opening and I grab my, my range finder. And as I'm ranging him, cause he's, he's facing away from me, but I was going to Texas heart shot him after I had an arrow in him. <laughs> right. And I go to range him. And as I go to range him, I watch him go over backwards. You're kidding. And uh, done. What I had actually done is I had hit the close rib and split it, split it. Yeah. And uh, I actually had a pass through with that M3. Really? <laughs> Just crushed him. And uh, he literally made it know, 70 yards. 70 yards. Maybe blood everywhere blood on his horns yeah like he had blood all over the place and i can just remember when i when i saw him go down i was just probably shocked shell shocked yeah i'm all by myself right um no cell service miles from a four-wheeler and even more miles from where my truck is and where yeah. camp is yeah and i mean there's nobody nobody and uh i just i just it's like 14 days just i couldn't i mean i couldn't even put it into words yeah. i literally was just like that is probably the hardest i have ever worked for an elk yeah and i can't believe how lucky i am because yeah. who kills an elk coming out of a wallow yeah. spot and stock right. <laughs> no no calling no calling yeah, like no, who who does had, that? No, he had no idea you were there. Had no idea I was there. Yeah. And I mean, Box Canyon, thermals are again, right? Winds against right. me. Um, that's why he felt safe. Yeah. Is that those box canyons, they it's such a hard I tried to look at where we could put a tree stand or whatever, and I'm like, Can't do it. We're gonna get screwed no yeah. matter what. So the way that we did it, uh, you know, I'm like, I can't believe it came together. Yeah. I'm just shocked. And um so I remember I had to go up and love on him a little bit, you know, go up there yeah. and, you know, talk to him and, you know, I just couldn't believe <laughs> but it. But isn't it kind of surreal? Cause if I'm not mistaken, you probably have killed a lot of your animals with buddies. I mean, with friends. Yes. That um, you can celebrate with. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think. This was solitary. This was, so this is the second one that I've killed solitary yeah. all by myself. Yeah. Nobody with me, nobody anywhere around. I think that's the only, yeah. no, I killed the third one. I killed one in, Montana by myself. Yeah. Um, but it's so weird when nobody is around and you, when I know, like I literally have to walk a mile to get cell service to call Ryan who was four hours away. Yeah. Um, and God bless that guy. He had so much going on with clients and work and all kinds of stuff, family, all different things. He drove. So I, I basically, I took that bull. I, Knocked the guts out of him, got him. It was going to be like 40 degrees that night or whatever. Yeah. Um, got it to where everything was good. Went down, called him and he drove up and I'll never forget walking down the mountain that day and just not a care in the world. Yeah. I'm like, it just happened. <laughs> we just did it. Like yeah. nobody can take this moment away from me. Right. right like right. it's my moment. Yeah. And I remember calling him and texting uh, Kyle and, and Donnie and, and Aaron, uh, Ryan's, uh, uh, cousin Aaron Jensen and being like we did it and the whole crew the next morning went up there with me 
And uh, I'll never forget those days. Well, those were the cool pictures that we got. Yes. So Donnie Wilson's like this world-class photographer. photographer. It's the only reason I'm on Eastman's is because (laughs) he's a world-class photographer. And I'll never forget, Kyle gave up his morning of hunting um, to come uh, up there. And uh, Donnie came up there and took pictures. Yeah. And Hugh, which was another guy that we met up there, he actually came. And, and well, Ryan. The cool part of Donnie, what he did, um, he was capturing the moments. All of it. None of it was staged. None of it was staged. I think you guys took maybe, you know, you probably took, you know, eight or ten. Yeah. Just all of us staged, together. All of yeah. you together. But, you know, the pictures that made it big were the ones that were in the moment. Yeah. Most of them, um, those, those of you guys who are around me much know I tend to scream a little bit. Just a little. And uh, like Ric Flair. <laughs> and uh, the picture that actually made the cover yeah. was not a stage photo. No. Um, it was one of those things where we were just all standing around. And, and I'll never forget, Ryan just like locked eyes with me and just went, <laughs> and, and and I was like, yeah, you, you know, and, and I, you know, I was like, I was so pumped, you know, and I just let it rip. And of course, Donnie, unbeknownst to me, knows what I'm going to do because we've been friends for a long time and he's just ready. Yeah, and he's just catching so many good photos. And most of it was us just up there taking it all, taking in, it all in because they all had a piece of it. They did. And a part of it. They did. And, you know, and. I mean, it was just all these different thin threads that came together yeah. in, in order to kill this bull. And yeah. it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Technically, let's talk through, maybe take, spend a little bit of time for the elk hunters out there and, you know, the hunters, mm-hmm. you never, ever, ever sacrificed the hunt for the wind. Correct. If never. you guys heard that, never. that was your common theme. Never. You can't. It's It's probably the number one thing that, well, I, it's hard to say that. It's one of the things that people screw up a lot. Is so, uh, yeah, is the wind. Yeah, because elk are three, four, five hundred yards ahead of you, and they remember those. I often think about it um, in an aerodynamic world. Yeah, think of your car and aerodynamics and how they work. Now think of the mountains and how the aerodynamics work. And, and those elk will position themselves where the aerodynamics work in their favor, 100%. where, where box canyons all come together. They will come up into that box Canyon where most of that, that saturation yeah. of your stinky butt, um, is coming out of that's where they'll come. They don't do anything haphazardly. So the interesting thing is you hunted there 12 days, 14 for 14 days, 10 on a couple off and then come back. Yep. But let's be honest those elk had really didn't have any idea you were in there. Correct. Even as the, best we could, as uh, best as you could have done yeah. for 10 days. Yeah. Because if they would have, they would have not been there. They Correct. Would have vacated that area. We know them. Yep. Um, and that's what I think is a testament to being extremely diligent with the wind and not pushing that limit. Cause you know, you were, mm-hmm. you were talking, you had heard him in the wallow. Yep. I'm not going to sit there and lie. I'm psychotic and crazy enough. I'd marginalize it a little bit. I probably can get in there and, you didn't do that. I didn't. No. And I it's didn't. probably why you killed him. Probably. Yeah. Because honestly, some of us would have, in the moment, yeah. after 10 days and 12 or 12 days of sitting and not seeing a lot, would have probably got settled. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Settled. Yeah. And let's go. Yeah. You know, and I think that is probably the key thing that I'm hearing through that story is staying true to the plan, yep. not deviate, and, and, and hunt the conditions that are you're, you're being presented with. Yeah. 
without fail. Yeah. Because they're going to win 99% of the time if you try to outsmart them. Well, and I, um, <clears throat> I have so much faith in Ryan that I probably asked him way too many questions yeah. because I knew like I, I've done this long enough to know that my instincts are pretty good. Yeah. I'm a predator. I know how to get it done. Right. But I didn't know that mountain. Right. I didn't, you know, he taught me so much about elk behavior, not just elk behavior, but individual behavior. Cause at the end of the day, I believe that elk are much like people mm-hmm. or dogs. Some dogs are just difficult. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. got some dogs that are lazy. You got some dogs that are difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them are wound up. You know, but they're still creatures of habit. Elk are the same way as you've got lazy elk, you know, and then you've got aggressive elk. You like the aggressive ones. Yeah. You like the ones who want to fight. Right. Um, you know, and I literally tried to get as much information as I could um, from Ryan on individual elk. Right. So you were hunting individuals, not elk. I killed number three on my list. That's crazy. And I had four on the list that I wanted to. And don't get me wrong. There was others that I, like the one that I stalked in on that flyer bull, I would have killed him. He wasn't on my list. Yeah. Um, but there were four specific bulls that, that you I wanted, wanted to, to. Yep. Yeah. That you had picked out. Pippin, Spud, Coach, and Princess Bride. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It was crazy. Probably never have it happen again. But, you know, and the funny thing is, this is... <laughs> Now that I've killed that bull, um, I had a lot of people ask me. Most people want to know the score. Yeah. I don't know it on purpose um, just because it's not about that to me. Right, right. Um, and and I'm not an anti-score person or whatever, but make sure you're hunting for yourself. Right. That you're not hunting for other people. Number two, I got asked all the time, so now what? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to shirt the first decent five by five that comes by me, yep. you know? And this past year I killed two, two good five by five. So I was right. like, and guess what? I had a great time. They mm-hmm. were different hunts. Yeah. It was not the same. Right. Um, but nobody can take that moment in time where it was me versus the mountain. And I happened to win that time. Yeah, exactly. Um, you don't always win. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. So what does, I mean, uh, one, I know what it is, the answer to this already, but you know, a lot of people will say, well, okay, now what? What do you do now? You know? Yeah. I mean, you still have the drive. I do. I do. So I, I've learned a lot about me. Um, so 2021, here we are. Uh, I know that elk hunting I'm able to use as a catalyst to get in shape. Yep. Um, so that's a big one for me. That's huge. Um, to keep my blood pressure where it belongs. You're, you're not to, getting any younger. You know, I'm not getting any younger. I got to fight that good fight. Yeah. And I can use elk hunting to do that. I'm not a workout junkie. But um, elk hunting is my 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 shtick. But you, you know, know it that's does where I'm at. People don't realize it. Even it does because I know you. Mm-hmm. You probably about this time of year. You got, we got three months. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're probably starting to watch a little bit what you eat. Yep. You're probably doing more hikes and long walks. I did twelve thousand miles uh, or twelve thousand steps yesterday. Yeah, the other day I'm I was starting to pick to up my yeah. step. He, he was on the uh, when we had to reschedule this. He was on the, on the uh, elliptical, treadmill, on yeah. elliptical. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. True. No, but uh, and, but people don't realize that passion will help elongate your your life. It will. Big it's those, time. those little things. So that's important to me. Um, another drive is I want my son to kill a bull. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's important to me this year. And, uh, I I know that I need to spend six to 10 days on my own trying to kill a bull for me selfishly, um, in order to keep it, 
mm-hmm. keep that passion going. Yeah. Um, but I also want to help others, right? So yeah, I've got why, all these funny, other things. And that's why I've watched you change a lot over the last, well, two years. Now, you mm-hmm. killed that big bull, which I think was kind of like a bucket list thing for you. It was. I mean, it was something you've been dying to get done. Yep. And now I know last year you spent a lot of time helping other guys. A lot of time. And I think this year you're probably going to spend a lot of time helping other Part guys. Part of it was I got lucky too, though, right? Yeah. Like I literally hunted for myself three days and yeah. killed two bulls. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, that one bull I killed, like I wasn't actually hunting. Right. Um, right. You know, I had tag in my pocket. Um, our mutual friend yeah. was the one that I really wanted to kill that bull. Right. And, but we don't get to choose. Right? Yeah. It just Stuff gets happens. to work out. Yeah. Exactly. Stuff happens. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, but that's the thing. And I think now you're going to, you know, I think that from a career standpoint, you'll probably maybe switch gears a little bit because there's, there's some great accomplishment in helping others. Oh, hundred percent. It's man, awesome. It's so much as cool. It's yeah. oh, and that's probably how Ryan felt, even though it was your bull. Oh I mean, yeah. Dude, you put that kind of work in, I mean, with our, buddy Cody. I mean, I, you know, yep. I, I, I got to, to hunt with him and kill that boy. He killed Montana four Heck years yeah. ago. That was one of the coolest, one of the coolest hunts I've ever been on. Yeah. You know, and, and people think, well, you didn't kill it. It's not about that for me. Yeah. Team. Yeah. Right? It's you about know? being there and yeah. helping and being a part of it. That it's is so awesome when it comes together. That, that is where I think a lot of guys miss it. The bone collectors, I call them, you know, mm-hmm. the guys got to have the, you know, the bone, they want the bone, bone, bone. You got to have yep. it. And it's not about that. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've been a part of some great hunts with some great guys, and yeah, I'll remember those over over uh, other things that I've accomplished in my hunting career. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, and I, and I know you preach that a lot. That man, make it about the journey and the mm-hmm. do it for you. Yeah, the road you know. to Hana. Uh, yeah. Long time ago, I I heard a a phrase basically. Um, there was a bunch of people that went over and went to Hawaii, and you know, there's a road to Hana over there, right? And uh, when you get to Hana. There's not much there, <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole journey is what's so beautiful. Yeah. It's that road to Hana right. that is amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. So don't get so focused on harvesting the this finish. bull, right. Mm-hmm. That, that you forget all the amazing things that, that you come across. In between. Yeah. Sometimes just camp. Oh yeah. Just eat in the mountain house with the guys. Oh, hundred percent. Sharing the stories from the day. And, oh, you know, it's and awesome. I, and I know a lot of it and I, and I knew you. Um, when this happened and I know, and I've, you know, and I didn't know you before, but if I had to guess, you know, um, you know, unfortunately, and I'm going to bring it up and I hope you're okay with this. You lost your brother early. I did. Yep. You guys were really close. Really close. Um, I think, didn't that help you flip the switch? hundred percent. I mean, that's, that will level set you and and reset the button for you in a hurry. I've told many people. Uh, over the years, I lost him when he was 35 yeah. and, uh, I, we were about two years apart. Right. And, uh, so it's been what, six, seven years now, I guess. And, um, I tell people all the time, nothing changes the heart yeah. more than grief Yep. over someone you really love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. My heart is healed, but there'll always be a scar that's Jason's. Yeah. And, um, it definitely changed me and and made me realize what's important in life what i'm not willing to give up mm-hmm. um and just to let go some of the petty stuff that really doesn't matter at the end of the day yeah, yeah. and there's there's no doubt he's a he was an awesome guy and um you know i've i've often even said it i i'm better for losing him um, don't get me wrong. I'd love to have him in my, 100%. in my team. In camp. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to have him in my circle again, but I'm definitely better for losing yeah. him. Well, and it, I lost my father extremely young and 
yeah, God, it just, it, like you said, it, it made me realize how fickle and short life is. I mean, it's, and if you don't get out there and do those things, you know, we all have done it our whole life. I was in my twenties, honey, whitetail twenties mm -hmm. and thirties in Ohio. And me and my circle of friends that hunted together, we always talked about, it. we gotta go out West and hunt elk, mm -hmm. but it was always work. Yep. It's always my kids, my family. Yep. It was always, you know, my, my parents and, and there was always something. Sure. And, and I will tell you that you lose somebody like that close. You realize the good Lord could call your number tomorrow Yep. yep. and it's up to him when that happens and there's nothing you're going to do about it. Yep. You better live every day, yep. you know, and I know as cliche as I get out, I mean, it we is. all say it, but it it, I'll tell you when it, when it happens to you, you, you realize because you hear it your whole life, you know, don't live for everybody else. Do what you can do, you know, get, you, know, you never live today like it's your last. Sure. But you Cliché, don't. But you don't. Yeah. But man, when it happens to someone you love close to you. It you, changes you, you. It will change you and you yeah. wake up and go, okay, now I understand what all those cliches mean. And you keep waiting for that perfect time. It's not you really do. come around. You, you do. do. Yeah. Uh, and there is no perfect time. Yeah. I mean, and, and I know you go through different seasons, you know, I'm definitely a different person today in my forties than I was in my twenties. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I think most of us, if we're not careful, we're so trying to impress someone else. Yeah. Um, and really, you know, and, and you mentioned faith earlier, you know, and I've said it before, you need to live for an audience of one mm -hmm. at the end of the day, he's the only one that you have to answer to. Um, and you don't have to answer anybody else. So build a smaller house, drive, drive, not the nicest vehicle, right? Do all this stuff. Now, granted, if money's no object to you, great. Good for you. I'm Do glad, it. I'm glad yeah. you won. But at the end of the day, don't have your budget so tight that you can't go on a vacation exactly. somewhere that you can't go see family that you, you are so have to work so much to pay for that mortgage or whatever it is that you have no time to actually invest in what's important, which is people and adventures and those things that water your heart yeah, yeah, and make you not a bitter person. Right. Um, you know, and, and so I try and, you know, I, I don't always do good at it, but at the end of the day, if you can live on 70% of your income or less, do it, yeah. <laughs> you know, do it. Cause yeah. you'll be so much happier. Yeah. But a lot of times we want to impress the people around us. Oh, that, you know, <laughs> I always tell a lot of young people we're going to get on this soapbox, but you know, it's, I've been there. I've mm -hmm. made the really big money, had the humongous house in Florida. Yep. Um, and honestly, I never remember that house. Nah. You know, I, I remember the, the fishing tournaments mm -hmm. on the lakes that I went to or the fishing that I did with my friends. I remember those times in Florida. I don't remember that $350,000 home. Nope. And, and it's never, and it's not even important to me now. And I'm not against it, man. No, if you make exactly. a bunch of money, do what more you do. Power to you. Do what you do. But I got wrapped up in that, yeah. you know, and I, and I tell you now, and I, I, I have to be careful because some of the parents that I talk with, I, I almost qualify what I'm about to tell their kids because I'm a real big advocate. You know, at 52, I'm on the backside of my life and career and I'm, you know, father time is now right here. Right. You know, and, 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 and I tell everyone, find a passion and monetize it. You don't have to make a hundred thousand dollars a year to be happy. You really don't. I mean, I, I left making big money to open an archery shop, pay myself forty, and then haven't worked a day in five years. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm as happy as I've ever been in my entire life. Yep. You know, and I and it's that is where we get caught up in the white picket fence, the dog, get out of school, buy yep. the home, go get a job, and you don't realize it's it'll be twenty, you know, ten, fifteen years. You've worked, 
you know, an average of 50 to 60 hours a week for someone else to make all the money. Right. And you've lost yourself in that entire time frame. Yep. That's what happened to me. It happens to most people. Yeah. I lo- and I, I'm like, if there's one thing I always say, if I could go back and do it over again, I would relive my 20s and 30s totally differently. Yeah. Because I did it. I, I did all those years for somebody else. Yep. And to your point, yep. do it for you. And there's one guy to answer to, you know, at the end of the day. That's it. And if you, hopefully you're aligned with him and doing things the right way for that. hundred percent. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've, I'm with you guys. Oh, yeah. you of all people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you guys. I mean, yeah. I haven't worked as, as long, but I gave up a lot of time and it's, it's time to enjoy life now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Still doing good things. So, but I, I remember talking to you about one thing and, and you know, the people that spend all their lives saving money, I'm going to save money for this. I'm gonna oh save and, and it's, it's cause I, I'm with it, you know, save yep. your money. Don't be broke. Don't, yep. don't have a, a piss poor plan for your retirement, for your future. But if you die now with a full bank account, what good does that do? Nope. Can't take it with you. No, Can't, man. No. My grandpa always said, you never see a Brinks truck driving behind a hearse. Exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. And it is. I mean, I do not live. I, matter of fact, I am the worst when it comes to money because I just don't care about it anymore. I do not let it drive me. Yeah, at all. I will find a way to go all kind of extremely cheap. Same to be in the mountain. Seriously, Same. it doesn't cost a lot. If, even if I, help, I'm at that point. Help. Yeah, go help. Go help. Go help. You know, because at the end of the day, some of these tags are getting crazy. Oh. You know, six hundred thousand, yeah. twelve hundred bucks or whatever. Hey, go help. Go help. Yeah. If it's, you want the experience, that's the way I tell people all the time. I've got people that ask me. I'm like, you're getting stuck in the weeds. I'm like, you want to yeah. know little nuances and so on and so forth. Kind of like shooting a bow. Mm-hmm. The only way you really know what you don't know is you start doing it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this happened. Oh, that happened. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, how do you do that? Go get in the mountains. Yeah. You know, go with somebody. You know, it doesn't cost. I, I never consider food an expense because right. I'm going to pay it whether I sit it, here or whether what. there. Yeah. So, and if you, there's many people that if they're going on a hunt, they're willing to let you jump in the truck with them. Heck yeah. Grab a backpack. Don't be a wuss, you know, and- Go with them. The coolest camping trip you'd ever go on. Because, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, you look at a lot of people talk about going camping. They go pull their RV. They go and do the, um, you know, they put up their tent at a campground and they sit in their lawn chair all day and read a book. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. I mean, it's, if that's the way you decompress and the way you recharge, so be it. But at I'm the just end not of, wired that way. No, no. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. But if you take that camping trip and take that same time off and just go and help. Yeah. Um, the hiking, the, the stuff that you see is, uh, that's why the people that I take hunting with me now or that, I'm, that I go with, I always try to make sure they capture the moments yeah. because there's little things that, you know, I believe that God puts out there to, to keep you invested, you know, and, 100%. and, and to show you things, man, this is what I do. You know, I, something as simple. I remember last year I went on a, you know, this is a crazy story. I'm going to be real quick with it, but I went on an elk hunt with, what was this year? I, me and Cody went and Cody killed his bull, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I really wanted to kill bull that year really bad. Yeah. I mean, and Cody, when I had agreed, I was first up, but I had this bull on a string and I wasn't going to, we weren't going to mess that up. Cody was going to You take were given the right notes. hundred yeah. percent. And, and I, and Cody even told me we got 200 yards from, okay, get your arrow ready. I looked at him and said, are you crazy? I got this bull talking. And if we change up that calling sequence now, he might disappear. Yeah, we need to kill this bull, and I was good with it. So, and I really wanted to kill one. Now I'm oh, up, yeah. and I mean, I was driving, and I never forget we had spotted these bulls across the road somewhere, way up on top of this canyon, and I went off by myself. 
went on a walkabout. I want to go up and see if I can figure out how they're using that that this drainage, so we can go there and kill them later. Yeah, totally a scouting mission. I took off on my own. Ended up running into a miner's cabin up there that even the guy that lived there didn't know was there, Jackie. And he, you know, and it, it, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Didn't you guys find something? Oh, there? no. So this is a crazy story. Yeah. yeah. So I go there and I I found the well that they had used. I found where they had actually half, they had had the planks half done. One side was still rounded and they mm -hmm. had carved them out. And, you know, this cabin was 100 years old. Yeah. You know? And, it was cool to walk in and I, hell, I ain't gonna lie. I videoed and had tears going down my eyes because I thought it was, I God put me there for a reason. Yeah, I yeah. thought, went there, didn't learn crap about the, the elk. <laughs> went all the way out. And this is a good four and a half mile hike up there. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it was a lot farther than it looked on the map. Yeah. And I figured it out real quick. I've been said, there before. We can't go hunt these, these elk. Even yeah. if I find them, we can't get them out, you know? So got there, spent some time looking around, didn't see anything, and came back to the cabin and, Enjoyed it again and, and uh, decided to take a different route back to try to shortcut my, my walk and uh, got, I don't know, probably five, 600 yards from the cabin, a pretty long way on a completely different route, stopped to get a drink and looked down and I find a, I'll never forget it, a pipe wrench. Yeah. From like the 1800s. Yeah. And I thought, this is wild. And then you go through that whole moral dilemma. Do I pick it up? You know, or do I leave it alone? Because that's a part of history, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, then I just go through that whole thing. Man, I wonder what they were doing up here. <laughs> Maybe it fell off the back of the wagon while they were going to get more Maybe. lumber. Who knows? And, uh, you know, I decided to take it, but it was a God thing for me. Yeah. God put that there because he wanted me to, to give me something to help memorialize what that journey that I just took in. And I ended up giving it to Jackie because yeah. he has memorabilia. It was his, I thought, and he was so appreciative of it because he collects things like I that. I remember that. Oh, dude, it was awesome. Yeah. But I, I truly believe that that's what... You know, and those are the things for me. I remember Cody's Bull, of course, because it was amazing. Mm -hmm. But I, that story, I've told that story more than I told a story about Cody's Bull. Yep. You know, because that's what was important for that hunt. And yep. those are the things I think the hunters don't take away from those journeys. Right. Because they get stuck on that bone. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and it's what drives us. I'm not going to lie. Hell, I want to kill a big 350, 360 sure. class bull yeah. as much as the other guy. But I remember those other things just as well. And I'm yep. sure you have a thousand stories like that. Yep. I mean, probably. Yes, so, I do. I can't wait till Jake kills one. That's when you're going to lose it. Yep. That'll be the, I think, the culmination for you. Man, I almost lost. I, I did. I had a tough time last year. Yeah. Because there was, you know, I helped a lot of people, did a lot of things, and he almost. Almost closed the deal. Almost closed the deal. Such a weird year yeah. last year last with year the weather. And a lot of people struggled. It tough. was it was crazy. Yeah. But he came to full draw like eight or nine times and <laughs> let one arrow go, hit a limb. And uh, I remember we ended up doing a couple different trips and I was literally there for the opening day of Colorado season and the last, last day, day of Colorado yeah. season. And I remember sitting there on the side of the mountain as I watched the sun go down the last day in Colorado and I shed a tear because yeah. I'm like, I've never wanted a bull so bad for somebody. Yeah. And they just weren't talking. They yeah. weren't doing anything. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're here. They were fired up in the middle of the month and not the end. Not the and end. It was just it was it a was, weird. Year. I think it was harder on me than it was for Jake. Well, you know, it's funny you, you said know? because you want it so bad. For I him. wanted it so bad yeah. for him. And Jason, I'm sure you've been through this. You you want someone else to experience what you experienced. Right. Oh, yeah. Because it's the ultimate. <laughs> I did it all last season. Yeah. yeah. I, I did not release one arrow, but I went out there and sat with my wife. Yep. I don't know. 10, 15 times just sitting there, you know, coaching her through it. Yeah. 
It, it's awesome because it you is. want that form. Yeah, you do. I want to. I want to share that feeling. Yeah, you want to transfer that yeah. feeling. Yeah. There's no better feeling in the world because you know how much work goes into this sport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's and that's the one thing I was. I guess I'll leave with is, man, if you think you're working hard enough, man, you're probably not because there's so much more to it than just letting the arrow loose. Letting the arrow yeah. loose is the easy part, right? In my opinion, unless you're making that you know 80, 90, 100 yard shot. But at the end of the day, it's the prep. And I think that's what makes us emotional. Mm-hmm. The first elk I ever killed, I cried like a freaking baby. Literally lost it. Yep. Because and if it wasn't for Cody Wells, right. my one of my best friends, I would not have killed that bull. Yep. I was done. Yep. Like you I remember that story. I was mentally out. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had worked out too well and spent thirty some days in the mountains. Literally, I think I spent two or two or three days in, in civilization. I was toast. Yeah. Mentally, I was ready to come home. I told Cody had to, we sat at the bar one day. And I started drinking a little bit and I was like, I'm ready to go home. I'm yeah. out. I'm miss my family. I miss food. <laughs> It'll mess with you. Oh, dude, it was horrible. Yeah. You know, I would never kill them. But I mean, that emotion that you have because it just, you lose all of it. Mm-hmm. And it's an enormous animal. It's an amazing animal. Um, so if you all listening or watching, get out there, quit giving yourself the excuses. You can come up with every excuse on the planet, not enough time. You know, not, you've got family obligations. You know, you just go to your wife and kids and say, look, I'm leaving for 10 days. I hope you're okay with that. This is my time. Yep. We got to have it. Oh, yeah. Recharge. Mar- married with children, the whole thing. You've got me for the other 340 days. I'm carving out 10 days for me. Yep. And go. Yep. You know, because it is, it's, I think, the most cathartic thing you can do as far as just resetting everything. You know, we come off ex- exhausted. Oh, yeah tired i don't want to be do it again and man, physically uh, mentally yeah. good yes mentally good but physically you are yeah. toast and then i remember jeff what was it three months <laughs> elk season's over in september basically october and he calls me in january we gotta have an elk class <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it started yeah, yeah. no for real yeah. what happens i mean and you get fired up again and as it starts to move on i mean it's just nuts so yep man jeff thank you for sharing it's it been amazing awesome. I want to actually, I, I, there's so many other questions. What I would like to do, we always talk about doing 2.0s. So if you're okay you. with this, I want to bring you back in to talk about the technical side of the elk hunting. Okay. T- today was storytelling. Yeah. Letting people know who you are. I had no idea what we were going to talk yeah, about. And so. I, well, I, I didn't I, either. Yeah. And I would love to go back now and talk about, hey, you know, what happens when the wind's blowing this way down this drainage and at nine o'clock, you know, in this situation, what do we do? How, yeah. You know, just share some tech tips and techniques. Um, okay. You've killed a crap load of bulls and probably seen it all. Um, I think some of the listeners might really appreciate that as we get closer to elk season to help them as far as, you know, they may sit there and go, man, I remember Jeff told me I need to, I need to watch this. You know, yeah. I don't, I better not do that. And honestly, yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. Um, well, the help. other big thing, and this is where I always play devil's advocate is how much time do you spend on, on your actual bow versus studying the the patterns and all this stuff do you focus as much on, on your tuning your they're, arrow building they're two separate journeys exactly they're, they're they two are. separate journeys and, and that, both and very important yeah right. and let's split those up and talk about those and that's the things you know? i want to do yeah talk about I, that stuff i you know people out there might spend 70 percent of their time focused on their on their equipment oh, and only yeah. put in 30 percent <laughs> of their time and expect to go out there and kill a giant and they're like oh crap yeah yeah it should have been the other way around yeah 100 so, percent. so yeah. we'll break that down okay yeah. Well, Jeff, man, appreciate you, man. Thank you. No problem. That was awesome. We'll see you next time. Watch out. Till next time, folks. Thanks for listening. All right.